Warframe. Warframe. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're in sync today. We really Lovely. are. Hello and welcome to episode 250 of the Crate and Crowbar. It is the 15th of August, 2018. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me tonight is Tom Francis. Hello. Tom Senior. Hello. And Alex Wiltshire. Hi. Hi. Sorry for whissing a meek. Sorry for whissing a meek, everybody. (laughs) Don't whiss those meeks. (laughs) It's a good meek to whiss. (laughs) Good. I'm not really recording this because we started off high energy and I want to keep going. Hmm. Meek shall inherit the worth. We We definitely wish to meek, and I can only apologise. How do you feel about the uh, the quarter millennium? The quarter millennium of the podcast. <laughs> Is right. that how millenniums work? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Just 250 podcasts? Yeah. Um, well... <laughs> no, no strong feelings. A quarter millennium can only kill one in four jars of mayonnaise. I don't know how to respond, Alex. No, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that it, it happened for that long? That's all you can say. <laughs> You're talking about it in the past tense already. I mean, it, well, the podcast. Well, it's because we killed, I killed it within seconds of the beginning. <laughs> you know, like, I got just about through the first half of the intro and then. We did do a five year podcast and made a big sort mm. of song announce about that. So it feels like I'm yeah. exhausted already after that. There's no, <laughs> no, no songs or dances left. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, I had this thought like, oh, but episode 200 felt like a big deal. And that was almost a year ago. So, you know, I mean, you can't just keep celebrating forever. Yeah, <laughs> I remember right. on Edge, it was this weird thing where you had like the, the issue number. And whenever it got to a round number, you felt that, oh, issue 300, you know, issue 200, um, should there be, should be sort of like a thing about, but then you've also got the year anniversaries so i think it's edge's 25th anniversary right mm. now yeah but they celebrated issue 300 not that long ago can't quite remember but yeah but it's like it feels weird just like well it feels increasingly arbitrary for these two <laughs> things yeah. yeah the edge uh, 25th anniversary is a lovely split run of four cover covers of original artwork showing uh amazingly solaire from the dark soul series <laughs> yeah like of all the all the ways to depict dark souls i love that they picked the one that praises the sun but you almost if you if they picked if they'd done like a kind of and it would have looked lovely but if they'd done like a moody kind of bonfire motif or something mm. i feel like they would have been missing an opportunity to put solaire yeah, on the well cover. that's quite right they saw they obviously saw what was supposed to happen and made it happen it's lovely. Make a celebratory. I remember, Absolutely. was it the 250th or the 25th or the 20th anniversary of PC Gamer? It was the 20th anniversary of PC Gamer. Because mm. it, it was, um, Graham's last issue was the one where it was, the cover was art editor John Strike wearing a Oculus Rift. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Within huge letters, this is the future of PC games. Yeah. <laughs> PC Gamer predicting the future yeah. poorly for 20 <laughs> which years. Was, which was, to be fair, a tribute to the very first issue of PC Gamer. Yes. Where the cover line is, this is the future of PC games with a bad 90s CG render of the USS Enterprise. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was in it. It was like, yeah, he's there. Yeah. It's, it's like holodecks all the way down. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, 250 crate and crowbars. Imagine. Well, we can't, don't have to imagine because they exist. We're here. Yeah. Uh, we should just continue as if it were any other number because soon it will be. Because the news doesn't stop for any anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the news is sort so, of starting. News sometimes again. does stop. Sometimes we just have a week where uh, the news stopped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we had a long <laughs> run of start again. Yeah. Uh, Wissing a meek definitely meant, um, that, um, there's some thews. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so many things we missed include, uh, the first, uh, footage of, uh, RDR2. Mm. RDRDA. 
Red Dead Redemption. Red Harder. Uh, which I thought I was very interested to see. And then the uh, weird salesperson-like voiceover. Just at first I thought, mm. wow, this is really kind of like dry and sapping the joy out of it. And then I got like... I checked that thing where you sort of mouse over the bottom to see the progress bar and like, oh my God, I'm only halfway through. <laughs> I actually didn't make it. I couldn't watch it. All. I'm just like, I'm, so, I'm just not focusing. I'm looking through the screen. It's like a magic eye. I'm staring past the pixels because yeah. the voiceover is boring me so much. I can't focus on what it's What if it's more of an in-character voice, like an in-world voice? Like, you know, you get to form a bond with your horse. What the fuck did I just do? That wasn't like in Wild West. Because there's someone who does a Wild West, I can please do this. This is strange, like... um like um it, it would have been, it would be weird either way because if it was like howdy, howdy, howdy i'm here to Full tell you about red horse. dead redemption 2 <laughs> on your ps4 yeah, right. exactly right. but i remember they did it's this a haunted box full of cowboys <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how it works <laughs> but that would be too far yeah <laughs> but i remember they did this with gta 5 as well that if it, it was like uh, I'm not sure what it was the same what kind format, of sales videos I've seen that, that are like this, but it's uh, for some reason back then it reminded me of like a um, sort of like someone advertising like an AR16 or something, <laughs> trying to explain all the features <laughs> in this really dry technical way. But it kind of fitted with a, a GTA because I think I I watched that kind of placing it within a GTA kind of um, infomercial, so it kind of you know mm. it was in world, whereas putting a GTA into infomercial into 1890 whatever it is it's like slightly slicker than infomercial which puts it in the category of kickstarter for office equipment (laughs) like Mm. you know like this dynamic shelf revolutionizes the standing working experience by allowing (laughs) you to work anywhere you like that might have been in the rdr trailer i wouldn't know shave your your pencils <laughs> Detecting a, Form a bond with your pencils. There's a whiff of uh, Grant Grover hypocrisy here because we have criticised a lot yeah. of trailers for not Especially explaining me. what the games are, <laughs> and uh, we've we've criticised games for being named poorly and it being displayed poorly. And mm. yet, when when a, a company does exactly what we want, it's like, oh, that's really actually fucking boring. I, yeah. I, I totally understand now what they yeah. do the other way. It's I because there's no truth. There. Like it was still just um, kind of empty, kind of. Uh, yeah, the, the, the actual content was also extremely bland and, and like, I'm sure that Without, it is interesting stuff, but they, they it just said like, leaving lots of space to be able new to interactions kind of beyond delve into the details. Uh, new it, interactions beyond just shooting and you see a guy punching someone. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I, was, I actually found I, two I, of them. There was one where it was talking about how it combines story and gameplay like never before. Um, and then it's just against the scene of you just shooting some dudes. <laughs> this is the and thing. Then, and then Imagine there's the second one saying, dudes. your guns aren't the only way to interact with the environment. That was it. And it's against for some punching. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the best bit for me is I think it's something like, you choose how you react to the people you meet on the frontier. And it's just mm. clop, clop. <laughs> nice horse. <laughs> I did love that bit. Though. In fairness, that is appealing. That, yeah. that was awesome. um, and like, um, and and the other line I actually made notes uh, was, um, we've also made improvements to shooting and fighting. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's the that's the, <laughs> the full two kinds of gameplay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also, the bit where it's like, and you'll make choices about the fates of the people you meet, and it's a footage of a man literally dangling off a cliff, <laughs> and, and you walk up to him, and the two options are save and kill. <laughs> where it's like, you want, I want like. How did you get in this predicament? How long have you been in this predicament? I've <laughs> been there since I started the game. I'm going to kill you. 
<laughs> also, I thought that I, that that scenario looked exactly like one that I vaguely remember from the first. Yeah, game. Mm. I think being more serious, I think my issue with it because I think on principle, you're like, oh, this is a trailer that shows the actual game, but it kind of doesn't. There's no HUD. There's no HUD. You know, no. like it kind of. It's like they. Promised- I bet you there won't be a HUD. I bet it'll be a very. I bet it will be very. It'd be either understated. The HUD is very, your horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just your just horse look really closely at your horse, and then the you can see the mini map. Horse, horse, how much health do I have? It's tail. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a horse up display. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> the like. Um, this is the thing. So they showed enough of the game. I think this is. I, this is the reason it was a peculiarly bad trailer, I think, because they sort of showed the game, but in a way that I feel like any any hype that's generated by what they did show has to be a bit weirdly disingenuous because they sh- they made it look really boring. They made it look like watching your friend play one of these. Like, you know, if you walk mm. in and someone's playing an open world game and you have no context for what's going on, mm. like why it's exciting that they have a deer on the back of their horse <laughs> or whatever. And someone's like, and you're like, are you having fun? They're like, oh yeah, I'm having fun. But like watching someone play an open world game for a long time, it's just like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it's just chores, right? Mm. Like, and it can be fun, but you have to kind of, you know, be in it. And this for me was like, it wasn't the excitement of like a well-produced trailer where you get the kind of, the, the, the intended feel if not the kind of minute yeah. to minute you got like here is the minute minute and by minute banality of red dead redemption <laughs> 2 but like watching someone else experience it like a dream and he's like oh like that feeling of like you i got this full picture of what's in the game but in a way that doesn't sell it to me because i'm like i don't actually want to do any more crafting mini games i don't really want to do any more card mini games to be honest there was not you know i don't really want to have like the canned fist fight that happens outside the saloon and i and i can almost see the minimap icon for that you know, mm-hmm. and I can see the tutorial version of that when it happens as part of what is will subsequently be an open world event takes place during the kind of initial series of linear missions to introduce you to it and introduce you to the icon. And I could sort of see like my life flashing before my eyes, but in a forward <laughs> way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And also backwards, because all of that stuff was in Red Dead Redemption. Well, well, maybe <laughs> in the next trailer, which will be identically long and just as language, there'll be some features that you'll also be bored by. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, yeah, because I'm mean, Red Dead Redemption 1 is one of my favorite games. But I just didn't. I'm wearing the t- shirt. Yeah, Alex I'm is wearing literally t- wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is actually wearing a Red Dead Redemption t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, that's totally accidental. I, I, I was quite excited by the trailer because it did the thing that we were asking for in, the, in a few episodes ago, where it showed you on your horse riding over a hillside and seeing the world stretching out in front of you. Mm, yeah, and mm, I mean, visually that that was what got it for me. Because, Stunning, yeah. yeah. The, the the sense of scale to that world is on. Like, whether the you know so Skyrim for example uses tricks like perspective tricks to make the mountains seem further away and larger than they are uh, even though the travel time is much shorter than it should be based on how they're actually mm. kind of projected in front of you mm. uh, but it feels like Red Dead feels like a vast vast space the way though you know that American landscape is, is rendered uh, mm. it fills me with so much excitement I, and, and you kind the, of know they'll yeah. get it they'll do it well as well yeah and you just know there's going to be like you know Ah, oh, there's going to be there's going to be fucking car- possums everywhere. Yeah, car right. <laughs> so it's just sort of hidden in those in those beautiful sort of the beautiful kind of wild west wasteland, and it is a kind of a wasteland game, but not the way that we've seen. You know, it's always post apocalypse, right? When you see a wasteland, but this is like a, an undiscovered yeah. raw place, mm. and and that is the wild west. And the the way they've realised that scenery is incredible. I think even in in that trailer. I think not to to, to end my moaning. Right. Like I realised thinking about it, all of my moaning is reserved for the single player. 
like so like also i don't care about the story and i love the narrative of the first game and mm. that first i think it's the first line in the trailer is like red dead redemption takes you to the west on the edge of change i thought yeah that's, that's, what that's exactly what the first game is about sure, yeah. and it's like and hang on this is a prequel so it has to be less close to the edge <laughs> of change than the first one because the first one ends in maybe it's just further east <laughs> um, yeah. This is the, the Tomb Raider problem. Every single one of the new Tomb Raider reboots is Lara's becoming the Tomb Raider. In this one, she becomes the Tomb Raider. She finally becomes the yeah, Tomb Raider. This is like having a prequel to that, where it's like, this is pre- the previous time she became the Tomb Raider prior to the first time you thought you should, yeah. Hmm. Um, but I actually, all of that open world stuff, that open world, all of the systems and the, the wildlife and tying people up and leaving them on railway tracks and all of the stuff that was good about the first game. I, even if that stuff is just in HD, basically, uh, and sort of moderately improved, I am excited for the GTA Online equivalent mm. version of that. Like, I think they'd be mad if that's not happening, because, you know, GTA Online killed single-player GTA Five by proving that it was the more profitable kind of yeah, enterprise. Yeah, sounds like it made bank, for yeah. sure. And, you know, that... Like I, I, GTA Five is a weird experience for me because it was like, oh, I hate this, but the multiplayer is incredible. <laughs> and so it's like I actually hated the single player, but and I, I, having been a Rockstar fan, I lost all my faith. And then, but I love the, the multiplayer, which I wouldn't have expected from a Rockstar game. Right. And now I feel like I'm going into this is like I'm looking forward to this kind of like pseudo MMO cowboy game that I'll play with my friends, and there'll be a bolt-on story that really does have to win me over hmm. to make me want to invest time in skinning possums. Forever. There is there is a lot of bullshit in GTA Online. As much as I love GTA yeah. Online, I've had, I've had some great experiences with it, especially in the heists and the more structured co-op activities. But in the kind of just general open world, it is just kill and be killed, and everyone's just encouraged to, you know, murder everyone, and it's, it's chaos, which is what GTA is kind of supposed to be, right? Uh, but if there's like just a more structured cooperative world, mm. like, that would be incredible. Like, just send me out into that place with, uh, you know, a, a posse of friends, We've all got our own horses and we all have bonds with our separate horses, which is obviously yeah. an important feature in the new Red Dead Redemption. Uh, and yeah, just ride out and fight bandits and stuff. That could be incredible. I love the bit in the trailer where like, yeah, different amazing. horses are suitable for different jobs. <laughs> riding. Oh, that was good. Riding fast. Like <laughs> Can I have the riding slow. one, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Accounting. I don't want the accounting one. <laughs> <laughs> I went straight to that. <laughs> Uh, do we actually know if it's coming to PC? Um, nope. No. Um, so, well, disregard the segment. <laughs> well, so surely it will, though. Right? Uh, there's been like there's been um, tons of leaked kind of like LinkedIn profiles and right. stuff. The other thing is um, that someone discovered in GTA Online a crossover, like a launch crossover event ahead of time, where people can unlock a weapon in both games. It's like a hatchet, like a throwing hatchet kind of thing. Um, and that event was discovered on PC. <laughs> so mm. it, I don't know if it necessarily come on the same day. But I'd be kind of amazed if it wasn't there eventually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, their pattern is to, you know, release a PC version six to 12 months later and just have extra sort of bells and whistles on it and then basically just encourage people to double dip and buy the game twice. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense. And that will be awesome. I want to play that game on PC. Mm, definitely. Should we move on to another new game mm. that we've just seen for the first time? Is it Doom? It's Doom Eternal. Yeah. Oh. Just two point, like, mm. oh. wasn't it last time? I was just, I think it was last time or the time before when I was just getting really excited about Doom 2016 because I've been mm. got back to it and played it all over again. We just got all those weapons and all the weapons are back and they're the same, but now they've got murderous tools attached to them yeah. <laughs> that you do just like disgusting things to demons. Just, you know, uh, I don't know, just humiliate them with bizarre close combat attacks. There's like a mid-air dash. You, There's a grappling hook. The, the shotgun has a grappling Ooh, hook, like, attached, uh, hook attached to the front of it, which is a fucking incredible idea. Oh, is that, is yeah, it, so that seen seen grappling hook is, is 
is weapon specific. It's a shotgun attachment, yeah. So you can't do the grappling. Well, you see them switch, like, I mean, because it's like instant weapon switch, because it's doing yeah, So yeah. you see someone like flying through the air with the rocket launcher, and then switch the shotgun, grapple onto a caco demon, fling through the air, shotgun it in the face, rip its eyeball out, oh, feed yeah. it the eyeball. Oh, Don't be ridiculous, Alex. You can't attach a grappling hook to a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, for jumping. I like, I like the fleshy chambers. Just very fleshy, very fleshy, doomy trade chambers. It was more like Confirmed. sort of old Doom than Doom 2016 was. Mm. Had that is this, sort of, so I completely missed this, is this like a full sequel or expansion? Full, yes, or full, full mech okay. sequel at, on mm. Earth. So it's basically Doom 2. So so on Earth, also yeah, Doom, hell on Earth. That's like the environments they show, they show concept art for what might be Doom's version of Heaven. Mm. Which is, a, it's a trick Diablo pulled, but... Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, like the talking about different ways, different ways of explaining your game. That was just a quake con. It was just on the live stream, and it was just two nice gentlemen from ID come out and go, "Hi, everybody, are you hyped for Doom? Anyway, here's <laughs> a guy getting dismembered," and, <laughs> and it was like, Whoa! and and, it's, and and I had this. It's maybe a slightly reductive to say, but it was weird watching it kind of like same within days of of each other with the Red Dead thing. Because the Red Dead thing sort of, I, I was very sort of like left cold by it, but Doom is regressive in some ways but it feels like this is oh, just an like exultant celebration of the one thing video games are good at <laughs> <laughs> we got this figured out <laughs> exactly we oh no yeah no, that's not that that what i just said is extremely reductive but what i mean is like one thing we really know how to do mm. is fucking shotgun well, that's, that, that is that is basically nails rockstar isn't it like it is basically done struggle to do lots of things that games probably aren't that good at certainly not yet and being a film probably not by <laughs> yeah. rockstar yeah, the uh, they showed a lot of the new Doom. Actually, like loads of just actual in-game with HUD, just someone with mm. a controller playing it, and then they showed also some of the massive keyboard playing it. And it was like I completely believe that this is what the game is going to be when it's released mm. next year. It looked so much like Doom it, One, with, yeah. you know, with a lot of with a lot of subtle extras, you know, just, to, to make always, it worth the him. sequel. Yeah, I always feel like Doom Twenty Sixteen was running at some kind of special frame rates mm. that was higher than what you can normally see like you can normally only see 60 frames so this sweet. one's running at sort of some magical number like it's just so incredibly smooth and it like gets into your brain in a way I think maybe something mm, about the rhythm cool. of its combat system where because you, you're always moving it's yeah. like I think they did do some kind of like not motion blur but some kind of sort of motion smoothing or interpolation that makes you sort of see between the frames yeah. <laughs> that's a guess <laughs> game developer Tom Francis <laughs> With the, a post from NeoGAF. The new, uh, about how that worked. <laughs> the new new footage really reminded me almost of Devil May Cry because mm. it was about like chaining movement together with attacks and sw- switching between weapons all the time and then just, you know, flipping in midair, grappling over to, you know, a cacodemon, shoot it in the face. And apparently all their flesh just gradually strips off now as oh, you yeah. shoot them. It's, it's, they're, they're like destroy, uh, is it destructible demons? Destructible like demons. <laughs> And it's alliteration and also very descriptive. Also, Dark Souls invasions. Yes, and uh, so you get to form a posse of uh, so cowboys. Use the word posse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's because we were just talking about cowboys. Guy from yeah. Red Dead just shows up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a haunted box full of cowboys. <laughs> you get to. It looks like you're going to get to pick a demon and maybe form a team and just invade someone else's game and try and take down Doom Guy, uh, which is a great idea. <laughs> oh, I see. Right. Cool. I mean, you, and yeah. they said like immediately afterwards, and you're allowed to switch this off, but like yeah. you know, you can be invaded as you're playing the single player. And there's loads. Yeah, of spots. if they have to be the demons, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't want good. another Doom guy popping into my game and shooting me. But yeah, yeah. It ruins the immersion. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just not realistic. There's smart stuff they've talked about. Um, like, for example, there's like an extra live system that's designed to replace uh, checkpointing in a way. Not replace, but there's still checkpointing. But it's designed to remove the friction that checkpointing can create if you're trying to beat a, a hard area over and over again. So um, you'll earn 
extra lives as you progress through the game at basically soft checkpoints. And then that will give you an extra life to get through an area. And that's also designed to soften the invasion mechanic. So if you get ganged up on by a load of human-controlled demons, you've got an extra life there to basically... You get killed, they get their points, but then you come right back into the fight straight away and you keep on going with the extra life that you've been given by the game. <laughs> Which sounds like a really smart kind of smoothening idea. Like, mm. I think, I think it's fucking smart designers behind, yeah, behind that Doom, smart. that Doom game. They even didn't lose me when they said, and we are expanding this into the Doom universe with more lore. Heavily inspired. There's a surprising amount of lore in Doom. They even what? said, like, inspired by Dark Souls. Yeah, they, they did say that. But, the, <laughs> but what that, I was encouraged by that, not by the lore aspect. Like, if they want to put it in cards and put it in a grimoire on a website somewhere, that's great, whatever you mm. want to do. Um, but the idea that you get to go to a place with a slightly different colour palette would be lovely after <laughs> Doom 2016, which is exactly all the it'll same colours. It'll be grey and red. You can have red. Red and grey or grey and I'll red. Take, I'll take any sort of variation on uh, on the... Oh, man. And, uh, like, I'm excited for every part of it. Like, it's going to be awesome. The soundtrack's crazy yeah. is from what they've done. And it, yeah, it's cool. it, you know, I just, like, that... I know I'll finish that game. I think that's the thing. It was like looking at it and going, yeah, I'm playing all of this. <laughs> Amazing. That's the one... Uh, Doom 2016 was the one game where um, I played with a uh, controller and... Uh, I know that like controller is not as good as a mouse and keyboard for most things, but for almost everything else, controller just works for me. I'm just fine with it. Mm. I just muddle through. That was the one game I truly didn't like it until I tried the mouse and keyboard. I'm like, yeah. oh, mm. okay, yeah, this is it. They even did that. So I've never seen a developer ever do that at no. a, a QuakeCon. But they literally the first demo was like six to ten minutes of the game on a pad and it looked good. Yeah. Um, and then they went, "Do you want to see this with the mouse and keyboard?" <laughs> and then it was well. like four times faster. Yeah. It was like, it was like watching it in fast forward, and it was like, oh shit. Because yeah. it's all about finesse, and if you're not pulling that off, there is no yeah. pleasure to it, really. Well, I mean, I, I I think there's a case to be made for pad controller shooters as well. It depends on the type of shooter, but mm. pad gives you a more sense of your physicality. Yeah. Like, if you like a mouse and keyboard, yeah. you are a super quick camera on tank tracks, and that's how it feels. Mm. I'm not to say that walking feels like pushing an analog stick, but there's something more analog about it, obviously, less digital. And so I like, you know, Bioshock, I was like playing with pad, because you kind of want to do the the slow looking of a you know of a man going wow look at this (laughs) (laughs) it's candy floss in a bin (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean though (laughs) especially since modern games like to do a bit of camera animation to kind of you know Mm. to sort of I don't know rest the your visual control away from you to make sure you're looking at the right thing or to give a sense mm. of body and that feels horrible with a mouse yeah, yeah. or yeah. it's impossible crash zoom on a big door yeah. it's a big man he's got a shield wait for him to charge you that shoot him in the back <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the doom uh trailer they showed the doom lightsaber basically yeah, where I didn't see that. Yeah, there's basically just you know, super demon comes out, and it's apparently just one of the old demons from the mm. old games, and uh, you know, he's it, in a completely dark room, and he likes a ring of fire around him, and the doom guy pulls out like the uh, the hilt of something, and then it cracks open, and a giant red blade comes out with like demonic writing all over it. It's very good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm in. I'm was it a flaming, into this. sort of tallish, flamey guy? Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> Narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> Revenant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, Revenant's from the first one. It's a, it's a super demon, I think. 
Okay. Because they were saying, like, new to the series, and I'm pretty sure everyone... Super demon. Super yeah. demon. Yeah. <laughs> We've never had a super demon apparently, before. Apparently. Mega demon, sure. Ultra demons, yes. But Apparently it resurrects other demons, but that's just more ammo, as far as... Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, Revenant. No, hang right. on. Revenant's the skeletal guy with the jump pack. It is. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like the, the Archville. Brown one. Archville. 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 Archville, I think, is where Archie is set. They do, like, the star jump pose. And set like two, I think. Yeah, it's the Archville. They do calisthenics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, you've got. But now there's a super vial. Yeah. <laughs> and that level, I love the the bit in that level. So that level's like you're fighting across the surface of a space station, at, like around Phobos. It's very Destiny, actually, that map. Mm. But the orbital, like the, the defense cannon on the space station is the BFG 10,000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a, a BFG the size of like a space station, basically. <laughs> and every time it fires, the entire level goes green and shakes, which is. What if the demon has got control of that? <laughs> no. No, Alex, no, it's too that, horrible to consider. It is literally the biggest never let that happen. gun. It is, you have to fire it. <laughs> you have to become a very big doom marine <laughs> and pick it up. It up. <laughs> oh, if, that, if that doesn't happen, this got, game is fucking garbage. Yeah. <laughs> You've only got to be ten percent bigger to fire the ten thousand versus the nine thousand. <laughs> um, there's also like uh, that. Uh, uh, they're not fully trying to do story, but like it's the first time we've shown like alive humans in a doom game. I think mm. so. He walks through like the command center, which is sealed off. And those people going like, you can't be in here and seeing that it's a Doom Marine and going like, oh, you're so tall. <laughs> and then there's a guy who's like, you need the red key card to get through this door. And the, he grabs him by the lanyard because the red key card's still on his lanyard. Oh, I did see this one. And then like drags him on his wheelie chair <laughs> at the door and beeps it open, which is very good. Like, yeah, it's very, very it good. does feel like, it feels like it's the, this is the game that Duke Nukem should have became. Like, mm. I mean, obviously the same era, but like, they missed such a trick with, yeah. You come forever, and, and it's level of silly versus yeah bombast. There's a lot. They don't have all that stuff to diffuse about. You, you can yeah, Doom Guy. True. Like Doom Guy's just like kind of a comedy totem, and you know mm. you could really play on that in the modern era without having to, you know, redo Duke Nukem in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. I really want them to do this. I mean, I'm very happy they're doing New Doom. I really love them to do this for Quake. Mm. Like, uh, as in Quake 1 era, kind of strange, like, industrial, medieval, Indust- Lovecraftian yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It like, takes, it takes a few tries to reboot a thing, doesn't it? Cause like, Wolfenstein, they rebooted it so many times that there's a whole Wolfenstein re- reboot I just forgot about for like yeah. five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like in a- canon with the new ones, weirdly. <laughs> really? It's like, the, it is like, um, the Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Yes. No, yeah. so I remembered that, and I remembered the New Blood and the Old Order or whatever. Mm. Uh, but there's one in between oh, where it's like the, right. the sort of the cyan supernatural zombie. Yes, one. Yeah, that one. That oh. is the one. That is the one that is the first game in the in the. It was by Raven, plus. right? Yes, that game is in canon it's with called? the new oh, it is. one. Oh, right. Yeah, um, it's because loads of the characters are in it. Like a uh, lady who's in a, in a wheelchair in uh, in uh, the New Order is your handler in that game cool. oh. like um it's yeah it's it's the blue wolfenstein <laughs> where you have magic powers <laughs> and then it's i the don't know basically how many quakes there have been because i i remember playing quake four was there a quake five or anything there's, after there's that? quake champions which is the free one yeah. i don't think there was a quake what about the one another single player um, quake after? splash damage did Quake, oh, oh Quake Enemy Territory. territory. Yeah, Enemy Territory. Yeah, that was basically Wolfenstein Enemy Territory. Enemy Territory Quake Wars. Mm. Enemy, yeah, that's oh, yeah. quite right, yeah. Mm. Um, that didn't have a single player 
bit, did it? No, it was just, no. just multiplayer. But like, uh, and also like Quake, you know, got one game in before becoming this sci-fi thing, which it then stayed as. Yeah, it's much. a very weird series. Like, I really... And then Quake 3 was multiplayer only. So. Yeah. It's right. as if they didn't really have a story. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a story necessarily, but like, I want, I want aesthetic. Quake 1 aesthetic, because yeah. it's so strange. Like, Quake 1, I and think the is sound the, effects, everything about it is really kind of red. Like, yeah, like the, the, the rocket launcher, which sounds like, like a, like a kind of, distorted t-shirt cannon yeah <laughs> they just had reading about um and then they sort of lit the bouncing goes that's the grenade yeah. launcher right great launcher, yeah yeah right. and then the nail gun sort of <laughs> like a little train yeah lovely lovely and the kind of pathetic lightning guns, kind of <laughs> <laughs> like like a little miniature Emperor Palpatine going. <laughs> <laughs> well, Apparently, this uh, Quake ASMR experience. <laughs> 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 Can anyone do the jib noise? Yeah, <laughs> that was good. That was, that was good. Yeah, was so I feel good. like we need to do this as a series because we should get to the Half Life. That button doesn't work. Noise. Bang. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, can anyone do the the um, medical noise in Half Life when you you like? <laughs> no, the, the, like the things on the walls where you that's press the, and hold use. And yeah, it, that's what I was trying to do. But I just decided, oh, that one. That's the that's oh, the, yeah, the nice. suit recharger. It sounds like it's about to say something, but then I don't know. Yeah, what. that's the suit recharger. I was thinking of. I think. Oh my god, you're so fucked up. <laughs> oh god, I wish it did. <laughs> oh my god, there's a lot of damage and very bad trouble. I'm afraid. I think I fixed you now. Done. <laughs> um, and the strange reverb on all the explosions in that game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so every explosion sounds like wang, <laughs> <laughs> wang. I think I harangued you about it not that long ago. But but um, the I was playing uh, new new maps of Quake uh, a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. It's so it's so good. Really? And they're and basically the um the developers of them are using a kind of a uh, a framework that allows the levels to be way bigger than. Quake was ever designed to yeah to support, so they are vast, huge, sprawling things. Like really, because he was really good at those kind of towering, kind of sort of cathedrals and castles. Mm. But then when you make it a really big level that kind of spans all the way through them and it has kind of like basements and great big sort of lofty bits, and like so good so <laughs> basements good. and lofts. Loft. <laughs> Who'd like to play in a loft? <laughs> it sounds like. Um, I read a bit about the making of Quake and the like the dissonance between the sort of sci-fi elements and the fantasy elements where it sounds like it was mostly just like well this guy wants to make it to be a sci-fi <laughs> game this guy wants to be a fantasy game you do your chapter and that can all be sci-fi <laughs> I'll do my chapter I want to make a fucking castle I'm just going to make castles until someone tells me to stop <laughs> and yeah, the artist meanwhile is doing their own thing so as well. it's, it's, it's true it's unreal as well remember yeah. like yeah. the unreal kind of uh, default screen before you press start or whatever spacebar it just flew around a castle yeah like it, it was like a big tech demo. It was like, oh my god, look at the coloured lighting we could do, and yeah. you could fly, you could swoop through <laughs> under a bridge. There's water here. Wow, look at the reflections. Honestly, yeah. it was amazing. At the, the first time, time I saw it, it like it was in a, it was in like game or whatever game was, or maybe electronic boutique. Or that was then mm. in Manchester, <laughs> right at the end of um, my degree. Like mm. I just finished exams, and, <laughs> I, uh, and I was like, <laughs> I went into the shop, and oh my, <laughs> I've got a real story. 
uh, from my childhood when I was at secondary school. And me and my friend, like two Prince Games, we were buying a PC Gamer. We bought a copy of PC Gamer. And um, it had Unreal in it, and they were showing off the graphics and how incredible they were. And wow, I mean, they're laughable now, but, you know, the 3D models at the time were incredible, and coloured lighting was a big deal, and, like, fog and stuff like that. Yeah. And we were showing them going, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. And then later in the day, you know, like... Well, just kind of meeting our form teachers or whatever. Uh, someone came and said I had to go see the head teacher immediately. And I, I was shitting myself. So like, what the fuck? I'm just getting on with my life. And then <laughs> I went there and, uh, he said, we've had reports that you were looking at porn and got pornography on the train. <laughs> uh, because of your response. And someone, to it. someone. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> someone else on the train had seen our reactions to those unreal screenshots as we were passing a copy of PC Gamer visibly between our seats across the train and um, <laughs> they decided because uh, they recognised our uniforms uh, which had like a, the school crest on and shit and they decided to call the headmaster holy shit that you know we've been, we've been reading, reading porn showing porn to each other that stand for porn connoisseur gamer <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> I was like, so you don't need to worry about this. <laughs> okay, did you show, did you like open, surely at that point you opened. And then he's going, this. whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> crikey. Look at that get out of my lighting. office. <laughs> leave Matt. <laughs> he's putting the install disc into his PC. So to speak. Um, <laughs> those, are, I think, like, those days were weird fictionally and thematically because the games that were successful were the ones where some tech genius invented some incredible engine and basically Tim Sweeney and John Carmack uh, and that was what determined the game being successful and it didn't really matter if everyone else kind of just did something random on top of it whereas these days I think you have to have a much more cohesive artistic vision because there is no tech you can do that's really going to set you ahead like, like the Red Dead Redemption's vistas are, are great but they're not really anything mm. I haven't seen before there are already incredible yeah, like, world games if you'd seen that 10 years ago you might be sort of Jaws, you know. But even then, but like, it's almost like there's like an equivalence. It's not like, I get what you're saying, Tom, because it's not like a a kind of epochal shift in what you can expect a game to look Mm. like. Like Red Dead Redemption 1 was a lovely looking game. I know what hills look like. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine a point in a continuum continuum between those two things. Hmm. And that's where Red Dead Redemption 2 is. Yeah. Like, if you know what I mean. Like, it's very rare now that something comes along you're like, holy shit, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Tom, I think you had some other news. Is that... Correct. Uh, two small indie game things. Uh, Flotilla 2 will be out the same day as this podcast. Is that still um, all VR? Yes. It is a VR only follow up to Flotilla, which is by Blendo Games, um, who did Gravity Bone and 30 Fights of Loving and Atom Zombie Smasher and Quadrilateral Cowboy. <laughs> um, and Flotilla is the 3D space strategy mm. turn based game. And it's a, a obviously a very good fit for like room scale VR because you just get to see your spaceships floating in the room. I played it a few times. Um, uh, I haven't got very far with it yet, so I can't really talk about it in any uh, qualitative way, but it is very, very cool to see your ships hanging in space and just, you just kind of like grab them and then kind of move them to where you want them to be. And of course you can kind of angle your hand to kind of have them point in the direction you want them to point. Mm. And cause it's, um, Brendan Chung, uh, all of the in fiction tech you're using is incredibly clunky and like old fashioned. And you start in like this weird, test room with just a computer on a desk and a bunch of cartridges to play any level you have to physically pick up a cartridge and jam it into the slot and then physically pick up a headset and put it on your head even though you're mm. already wearing a vr headset <laughs> uh, super hot works that way as well right you put discs in the machine and uh then when you're controlling your ships you have these really uh like very clunky boxy controllers with just like big yellow button <coughs> on them and um 
uh, to activate a special ability, you have to sort of put an extra cartridge on top of your controller and, and then that button that controls that and then you unplug it again if you don't want to use that ability oh, cool. anymore. Yeah. So like nothing is UI, everything is physical. Um, and that's yeah, very cool. That's very fit. And the other thing is, uh, human resource machine. There is a follow up to that called seven billion humans or seven billion people. I can't remember which. Um, which is, uh, this was the kind of pseudo programming game by the creators of, well, one of the creators of World of Goo, um, and Little Inferno. Um, and this, I've watched the trailer and I couldn't. Well, so from the title, I didn't know it was a human resource machine follow-up. And so I watched the trailer and thought, this just seems like human resource machine, but with more people. And I guess it is just that. Cause it's a, it's a follow-up to that game. Seven billion. Yeah. It's, it has a theme of like, the whole world is watching some kind of exercise video. <laughs> like, it's, uh, human resource machine was about programming office workers. It was about like the sort of equivalence between office workers who just follow orders and computers that just run a program. Um, and this seems to be like, I guess you're controlling the whole world and maybe making exercise programs to get them to do what you want. But it involves basically coding. Human Resource Machine, I had a little bit of trouble with um, in that it uh, it was a game where you do programming, but it simplifies it and makes it very physical and understandable. But then it doesn't feature any of the conveniences of coding, but it does feature, eventually, a lot of the complexity of coding. <laughs> and so you had to just make these... like. The stuff, the tasks you're trying to accomplish are not actually that difficult when you're writing real lines of code, but when you're using this simplified interface, it becomes incredibly complex and very difficult to read what you've written mm. and very hard to track. And so it ended up being sort of like harder than real programming, <laughs> which was a, a bad feature. Hopefully it would be nice if they addressed that somehow. Hmm. Cool. We should talk about what we've been playing i got i got a game that kind of fits quite nicely very well then mm. oh, yeah. dovetail because <laughs> um i've been playing exopunks mm. which is mm. the latest zach bar is it exopunks or exapunks because i think is it i'm guessing it's a reference to like it doesn't go like giga exa oh maybe or giga terra exa mm. i think exa is the one after terra maybe <laughs> Oh, gigapunks. Gigapunks. Last one I played was oh. Micropunks. <laughs> I'm way behind. Um, when he starts it up, it's really good. Like, it, um, it kind of has this thing and it goes, Exapunks. And then it starts with this, like, synth type music. And it's really sort of like, oh, I'm right into the cyber world now. <laughs> this is so good. That's what I want to be saying every time I fire up any game. Yeah, I'm yeah. right into this Exapunks. cyber world now. Oh, right, Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> right into the cyber world. I'm right into the cyber world. Well, Resident Evil, like, started with a Resident Evil. Like, <laughs> basically, all games should start with a, a like, in narrative, narratively sort of appropriate I feel like reading I get what you're saying because it's like the Resident Evil thing, Resident right? but Evil. the way you said it made, made it sound like it was being shouted by the B-52s <laughs> <laughs> so papers please <laughs> gone home that's my moment as well <laughs> Tom if you had to record this your own games what would the tone be yeah. I don't know uh <laughs> Excellent question. Points. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, question. Mark. I can't think of a funny way to say those names. Tactical breach. Wizards. <laughs> well, tactical breaches. We might legitimately say it. <laughs> like, that actually fits. I think yeah. with like you know uh, smashing noises or drum yeah. beats or something. Tactical breach. Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> the metal version. I like it. <laughs> um, 
Exapunks. <laughs> Got as far as the name. Yeah. Is, um, so like, if you played a deck bath, like, um, it is definitely one of those, which is where you're creating systems to carry out certain level requirements. Um, you're mm. fundamentally programming. Um, and in this one, you really are programming. Um, because in some previous ones, you've been, it's been much more spatial or mechanical. Like, mm. so the last well, one. alternates, right? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, spatial programming, spatial programming, spatial programming. Yeah. So this, so we had, the last one was, um, it was Magnum, yep. which mm-hmm. is marvelous and mm-hmm. talked about quite a lot. And, but, and sort of spatial, I would argue. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's then very mechanical. Before that was Shenzhen, Shenzhen IO. IO programming. Before when that was, was Infinite Factory, spatial. W- yeah. Where did TI 100 <laughs> fit into that? That program? was actually in between, uh, space, I think that was after Shenzhen or maybe before Shenzhen. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that was just before. The Shenzhen this... is weird. It's kind of not fully programming. There's definitely sort of mm. weird spatially things going it's, on. It has a solitaire game in it. And that's good. <laughs> we don't have to attempt to reconcile my dumb theory. We need to get past Xpunks' main menu screen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say Exapunk sits quite close to TIS-100. TIS-100 was a kind of like a semi-simulation of how chips work. So you're doing mm. sort of uh, operations on a chip to do certain calculations, basically. In this one, you are programming little... Well, this is kind of where I kind of stumbled when I first, first started playing it. It visualizes what you're doing. Basically, you're hacking um, in a sort of cyberpunk sort of world. Um, and it visualizes it as you having these little bots. And they look like little four-legged, like, drone bot things. And you see them in this kind of on the squares of these, what are basically servers and sort of computers and stuff um, that you're hacking into. And it looks at the start, because they're actually on squares in these things it looks like you're moving them from square to square and like it's a very kind of sort of moving things around Mm. for them to do things and manipulate things but actually you're writing code for them and you're just telling them move to an area and they will just find whatever you need them to um which is kind of like i found that a bit of a stumbling block to start with like some of the thematic sort of metaphoring was a bit seemed a bit odd but i'm now fully into it um i have hacked into a uh, a bakery to remove uh, That's not where I thought I was nuts go. from all of their donut recipes. <laughs> so it's just dough. <laughs> I have. Um, I just got that. <laughs> I have. Uh, I've. Uh, uh, in order to get a zine published, I've I've removed the um, the mag. What, what something. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've hacked into the to the account system, so the guy, the the the, the person who wants to publish them, um, has doesn't owe them any money anymore. And basically, you're manipulating information in this one. You're hacking into places to fuck around with information, and that means going finding files, finding certain information in those files, and mucking around with it, changing it, adapting it. And for each of the levels, you have to do the same operation test run it 100 times but with different data um to mm. ensure that your program works mm. i had somebody sorry go on go on i had somebody saying that it's uh, my friend asher actually was saying that it's competitive programming like you can test your programs against other people's in some way see i don't know i don't know whether you're able to download it or is i haven't seen that function but it's basically got opus magnum's histograms right 
so you you have this horrific thing where you've written this code and you kind of <laughs> I don't, this cannot be bettered not that i'm any good but i cannot see any way of get do, doing this better and then you see somebody who's done it in half the number of cycles <laughs> which is the number of um sort of times like number of sort of um i guess steps it takes to, mm. to carry out an operation or there's size which is the number of lines of code you've written the code is very simple to write and that's why i thought that it was quite simple similar maybe to to the way you were describing um uh, uh, uh seven billion humans or human resource yeah, machine with, because all of the code and this is where it's quite similar to tis 100 is that every bit of code is a four letter kind of function and then kind of the variables so so um in order to read a file you move your um you move your drone to it by typing in link and then the address of the doorway into it then you gra- type grab and then the, the the letter the numerical code for that um for that file and then you copy uh and then it, mm. and then choose the memory register you want to put it into yeah that's so a lot really like how simple human resource machine works as well and so it means it's really fucking painful yep. to do things like um and this is where the puzzling is like but in this it's fun this is where the the challenge is so i had a situation where uh, i was asked to rewrite um a road sign a roadside signs you know the the, the lit up signs mm-hmm. on the side of roads with uh with um a set of numerical like basically a like a bunch of numbers, which each of the numbers corresponds to a letter of the alphabet. And I had to write a piece of code, which, which in turn kind of wrote a different letter to a different point on, on there in the right order. So it read right. And that meant setting up all these little counters for the code to make sure I knew when it had reached the end of a line, had mm. to start into a new line and then, and then did that twice for the, for the three lines. Uh, and there was never enough me- memory registers to put those, to put the counters into because of various ways that the memory works, which like, you know, I am not a programmer. I am not all that bright. And I just found it total catnip. It's just so fun. Really? Like it's wow. re- really painful. Like, stuff <laughs> but it's like okay, fun. It's, mixed it's signals, fun. Yeah. Po- po- it's proper puzzling where you can mm. see exactly what the problem is. And you know that it's been designed around this problem. This problem is obviously all about right. how the fuck do you count up stuff when you don't have the stuff available? Because um, I am a programmer and I even I don't have to deal with memory really. No. Like I know it exists and I could hit a limit one day, but I never have. <laughs> so I just don't have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, you're writing basically in these games, you're writing to silicon. That's like, is your, it's like you're doing base, you know, you're doing machine code and right. that's what it's sort of yeah. all trading on. And like it's, it's just really fun. The presentation is just glorious. Like Zach Bath, like I don't think he he doesn't he has artists that work with him, but but he has a sensitivity in directing that art, in making it absolutely appropriate to its it what it's focused on. So Shenzhen Nio is like sort of beautifully sort of redolent of kind of um uh sort of Windows 3.1. electronic machines and yeah windows 3.1 and and uh and uh, tis 100 is, is just everything's in just characters and it's black and white on characters because it's simple computers maybe the this real one, creative genius is Actronics is an artist we've never heard of who just comes up with these amazing yeah. art styles and beautiful aesthetics and zach just plugs the same game into them yeah because <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah so someone's sort of like yeah this beautiful kind of um sort of uh al- alchemy pot upon 
Punk stuff in um, Avus Magnum as well. Mm. But um, so, and there's loads of it that like he's really interested in styles as well. So you get loads of logos of donut shops and like very specific sort of signage. And there is a, um, a so this like Shenzhen IO in order to know how to play, you have to, you, you have to basically yeah, there's a zine that's a, that comes to PDF. <laughs> Gotta read the zine. And I haven't printed it out, but basically you're meant to print it out. But I was just out tabbing out to it. Like that famous acronym, RTFZ. <laughs> <laughs> read the fucking zine. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's beautifully done. And like, it's, they use the right fonts for a sort of certain 80s style of kind of electronic, like mm. electronic sort of publications. Um, I believe you're, you're too late if you want to order the physical version right there. Yeah, a, a that's limited right. Limited run of, of like, you get, posted the enormous printed scene to be frank but but um but like the attention to detail is just lovely and there's a story stuff in there as well which um obus magnum sort of first started to explore so they're like in this story you have some sort of cyber disease and all your like nerves are fucking up or something (laughs) and being cyberland the meds that you need are prohibitively expensive and it, it illustrates this by uh so you you get your job and this job that you know that you know you have to spend like seven hundred dollars a day on your meds and you have to do this job of transcribing somebody's receipt so there's a, a like a someone's receipt and you have to type in all of the things they bought and the and the, the amounts just into boxes on the screen and um you get paid 25 cents for it and you go <laughs> is this the game and then this isn't gonna scale then, then the hacking starts but yeah it's it's really i i absolutely loved it that loving it i will probably hit the brick wall quite soon mm, i always do <laughs> yeah like and and uh, you know i'm glad tom isn't playing it now because i'd be <laughs> getting obsessed over his better history <laughs> so i'm um i might mention this when we talk about Opus magnum but um uh my friend kevin of the video games hot dog podcast uh could be relied upon to have found the actual optimum score for every metric on every puzzle. And so you could, it was actually kind of handy to have that information because if you, <laughs> it, like, you could just see, oh, I can do better on that, but I don't have to because I know his score is the insane optimum and I will never, it would take me hours and hours to ever get there. So I didn't feel bad about him beating mm. me, but at the same time, I knew when there was room to improve and when there wasn't. If you match Kevin's score, it's like, oh, great, I'm Good. done. <laughs> I'm the best. But there can be no better possible score. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be stupid. I know I wasn't be happy. So the one, <laughs> one with hacking into the printer's um, account system, like I, uh, no, no, it's actually that was the sign one. I couldn't figure out a way to do the counting, so I did a hard coded, like <laughs> you know. Now we're moving on to a different set, and now another different set. It was bad. It was really bad. ugly, and yeah. I just like, and I, I don't know. I quite enjoyed the fact that I was proud about it. Like I was proud. <laughs> I was enjoying the fact that I'd sort of, you know. But and I'm sh- maybe I can figure out a way, but not enough fucking registers, man. That that feeling of like I know I'm doing this the wrong way, but I know this way will work. I yeah. can't be fucked it's if like, I got I'm that. That's my one. life. <laughs> yeah. But there was this moment of release. You sort of like relief. You sort of like oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, and I've done it, and I just tested the first. Like oh, it works, and like I'm just gonna do this. <laughs> oh, I feel dirty. But it's <laughs> yeah. I remember like an Infinifactory solution that. Um, I finally finished the thing I was really stuck on and it worked perfectly except the fact that it would just assemble a bench. I didn't want it, it didn't need to assemble a bench, but like <laughs> my wood leftovers just made a bench and then it would just vomit it into space. And like, so the machine just like output pointless benches in a particular direction forever. And I had to try and position you could get like the GIF camera so you couldn't see that that's what it was doing. Like that just would obviously. Not- <laughs> that's Let's the- not look at the benches. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, there was um uh uh there was one other thing I was going to say uh, where uh, there was this mad magical moment as well where this is quite early on and it's not surprising at all that this actually happened really especially to anyone that's pub, uh, um, programming but you get given this sort of instruction and you have a bunch of code like and you know you know the instructions because you read them in the zine and there's a bunch of them and they only have lines and you, there was no tutorial so everything you've done in that you've figured out i figured out for myself and i like over an embarrassing long period of time i figured out how to do this thing and i wrote it and then uh right at the very end i just couldn't figure out why it wasn't triggering the kind of like the you know the complete thing i just didn't know why it wasn't working and so i looked um on youtube and someone had, had, had solved it and i realized that there's one little thing that i just didn't quite understand about the game and um fixed it, it was this really minor thing and i looked at our code and other than the the one number that i didn't that didn't marry marriages our lines of code were identical <laughs> and like it's this amazing thing that where we both followed the same puzzle in the same game but I felt that I'd learned everything for myself and like you yeah, meeting really cool. meeting of two minds that, 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 you know, I don't know where this person lives. Hmm. It wasn't narrated at all, but like, holy shit, you know, sort of those sort of oneness with humanity. <laughs> moment. Hmm. It was a Saturday morning and my children were banging around. <laughs> you became one with the machine. Yeah, it, wasn't, also yeah, it wasn't exactly kind of um, sort of uh, late night kind of dreamy time, but yeah, anyway, Good game. Nice. Tom, awesome. senior. I've been playing, I've been playing Warframe. Hmm. Huh. 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 I played that, this game many years ago when mm. it first entered early access and it was terrible. <laughs> it's real bad. Uh, you were uh, a kind of, it was a third person action game, still is, where you play as a kind of sexy space ninja from the future. Weird organic ninja. <laughs> yeah. So the art side of Warframe, like, I feel like this is, Phil Capel's talk about this first because it, it's such a strange, strange game. And okay, let's just uh, actually give some context. So it's kind of a living game, a bit like Destiny or something like that, where you're encouraged to log in every day and do a little bit more to, towards your character. Uh, it's got Eve style kind of crafting. So within Eve Online, you uh, when you start a skill training, it takes actual real lifetime to happen. That could be days, could be a week. And that's how crafting works in Warframe. You get all your stuff and then you kind of pick your new stuff up each day as you kind of log back in and do your little quests. And it's about incremental progress across a series of five minute missions that you dash in and dash out of and complete with maximum efficiency as you level up different warframes and craft new things. And it's utterly compulsive now. When I first played it, it was a bag of shite. <laughs> Truly terrible. Like it was the, the shooting felt crap. The melee felt just like really sloppy and weird. Uh, the, the movement was way too fast for the small areas that it was in. It was like it was set in a series of tiny dungeons that you'd complete in five minutes when you'd get some arbitrary currency and then you wouldn't know how to spend it. And a lot of that stuff is still kind of true of Warframe, but, uh, over the course of many years, like it's been expanded in such odd ways that it is now incredibly hard to put down. Uh, it's, but isn't there like a sort of there's an open world bit exactly, isn't there yeah. space combat and right, stuff as well? yeah so <laughs> it's been expanded and there's just layers and layers of updates and they're not pointing in one direction they're all just like 
pointing just random directions like this update added an open world bit which is like five kilometers square huh? and you take bounties in this place and you go out into this wilderness and you kill stuff and then you level up with a gain reputation with this particular person and then another update just not too far away would suddenly add like space combat where you're given space wings and you can go outside of your spaceship and you have to do stuff like almost like a you know death star runs where you have to get to these transports on the other side of this uh floating facility before the transports escape and blow them up and doing that involves like you know dashing through tiny space corridors doing quick flips and turns and it's an incredibly mobile game uh, and there's a the default way of moving around in warframe with your main character even on foot is uh a crouch slide into a dash into a double jump into a somersaulting crouch <laughs> that then chains back into the double jump. <laughs> and uh, what you see, you know, play, people who've been playing Warframe a long time, there's almost like just moving around is a whole sort of esoteric technique in and of itself, where which I've now learned and kind of feel like I'm, I've mastered. And turning corners and going through these, you know, uh, these weird space station mazes becomes a kind of skill in and of itself. How fast can you flow in and out of it as you're spinning and spiraling and somersaulting through them? And you only never... You only ever want to kill stuff when the objectives demand that you do. Uh, so some uh, some of them are just yeah okay I'll take a you know a combat build I'll go in there with my fucking beautiful shotgun and my my, my cyber ninja swords and I'll chop everything up. But uh, a lot of them are just like capture missions where the the guy's marked uh, on your map by a you know a objective marker that flips to the doorway that you need to flip through and it's just this kind of really satisfying game of somersaulting through doorways <laughs> and then killing this guy like in five seconds flat with your amazing weapons. Wait, weren't you supposed to capture him? Uh, well, you just, yeah. the, what, what you do is you shoot him until his health is all gone. Then you, they lie on the floor and then you dissolve them into your wristwatch. What? And then they're kid- And as they, you hear them screaming while this happens, by the way. <laughs> like all these particle effects, like spiraling particle effects just go into your watch and suddenly they're caught. That's it. Mission done. Well, because you're, you're, you're actually meant to be in a, like a cyber suit. You know, you're not, you're kind of, um, you're in a robot, aren't you? Uh, you're in a war frame. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is that what it says when you start up the game? You're Welcome in a war, war frame. frame. <laughs> uh, the warframes are really different. So uh, each one has a bunch of special abilities, and you, you can attach mods completely differently, and they behave very differently in the game. They're very good at different, you know, uh, different weapons work differently with them, um, and it's. Uh, I can't stop playing it. It's like, it's horrendous. It's because each mission is five fucking seconds long. And you get something for it. And you just, you dash in and dash out. And it's like, yeah, you've got this turn. Hey, well done. And it's like, oh, that felt good. What do you get it. for it? Just like some experience points or? You, well, you also get loads of materials and occasionally you'll drop, um, like blueprints for stuff that you can craft. Hmm. Uh, and especially if they're Warframe blueprints, that's like a massive deal because when you're you, in a Warframe. warframe <laughs> uh, and when you, when you slip yourself into a new Warframe, uh, <laughs> the, your ability shifts so much. And also all of your, all the leveling is tied to leveling up individual items. Nothing works conventionally in Warframe. Everything is just a bit wrong and weird hmm. uh, so um, you don't just level up by killing stuff you have to have loads or, ideally all the stuff you're wearing will be new or uh, need to be leveled up to 30 and whenever one of those things ticks over a level you get 100 uh, th- uh, points basically just uh, uh, progression points if your warframe ticks up you get 200 progression points so if you have a new warframe you're obviously making bank every time you level up with that particular hmm. warframe 
So, so it encourages you to try new weapons. Yeah, yeah, to collect. Keep keep on building new things. Keep on building new weapons. And the weapons are actually really different. So you can have. I've got. I'm currently wielding something called the Boltor, uh, which <laughs> shoots, <Good. laughs> shoots bolts. And <laughs> you'd never guess. And um, w- when you kill a dude with this, like they go flying backwards, and it, if it can pin them to a wall, it will. And uh, as far as I know, it's the only game that does that. Uh, that's the only weapon that does that in this game, apart from perhaps some bows, because you can also wield bows that are like slow fire, massive damage, especially if you get headshots. Um, like there's the melee weapons. I started out with like a basically a, a short katana, and now I've got an enormous hammer that just like loads of AOE effects. And actually, the weapons are really different and really kind of interesting. And because you're encouraged to install these new weapons you're encouraged to because that's how all the leveling works you're constantly shifting constantly crafting and it's basically treadmills within treadmills within treadmills the game just and i can completely understand how people have been captivated by it uh, even though it's one of the oddest games so the, i've it has ever a really played weird history as well mm. so like um so it's interesting we were talking about unreal before because steve sinclair i think it is who founded digital clips the, the developer Digital was streams. one of the digital streams, yeah, right. was uh, uh, basically started developing uh, Unreal and basically led the original Unreal. Huh. Um, but then they did a load of work for higher stuff and a lot of fairly dodgy games, mm. not, you know, and they were on the brink of going under because a deal fell through on a game. Um, and so they had this idea and they spent a few months making it and put it out on their own website. Mm. And that's why it was rubbish. It was basically, <laughs> yeah. it was made by a small team. Basically, this was the last Desperate. kind of chance for the studio. <laughs> that's, and you can kind of see some of Unreal's kind of like world building in there as well. Like where it's like, oh, mm. it's sci-fi. Yeah. It'll do. Yeah. It's so strange yeah, to describe the, it's so hard to describe. It's kind of aesthetic and what it's, it's so hard to decide what it's trying to go for. It's almost like, um, Farscape, with a bit of Lex, if anyone knows what mm. that is, yeah. uh, via Existence. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's fucking weird. Like, it's all, all this kind of bionic. Everything looks like a sex thing. <laughs> like, it's, it's this kind of skin tight fetish Everything is ribbed. Stuff. Everything is yeah, like, <laughs> ribbed for your pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and everything's kind of just, just clamped to the body, and the body is always just this kind of but weirdly organic technology that it kind of I don't know it's hard to describe what I'm saying is that I've just just been shooting stuff and getting just weirdly horny for the entire direction I think I maybe talked about it um, this particular issue but like Warframe's weirdness mm. and it's speed and it's default FOV mm. meant that when I first started playing it I like almost threw up and I don't get motion sick in <laughs> games like there's something like powerfully strange about it like yeah. Yeah, sure. you know kind of like almost like a cursed image kind of thing <laughs> so, and then but like, I found the right you know I had to go on the forums and go like you switch off these effects and this head bob and stuff and, mm. and now it doesn't make me want to throw up um, and then you could appreciate that like oh but it's weird beyond that as well it wasn't really like because it, it yeah. almost like it almost acted as a sort of like a it made it impossible to see how weird it was initially because I was like, this whole thing makes me feel sick. And then that was just certain things about the way it moves. Hmm. Turned that off. And then I was like, oh, but all the men I'm killing are like, they look like the um, the Cooper Troopers from the live action Mario movie. <laughs> right, yeah, like, yeah. why are they here? It's like a body horror, weird kind of <laughs> shit. Yeah, hey, these sort of robot men who are in tortoise bodies and the, that's like the Grenier. Yeah, and you're, them, yeah and you're like a sort of lithe, like a kind of like hyper gimp. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really is like, oh, well done. You've leveled up 
your dominatrix, space dominatrix, to level three. Yeah, but, but this particular <laughs> variant of that concept as well, because mm. it's hardly like there's only one. Like, <laughs> yeah, every fetish is accounted for. Yeah. It does, it does feel like, you know, I'm in someone else's sex world. It's really yeah. weird. I can't shake that feeling. And I, I, I can't stop playing, but I can't stop being, I was like, so slightly uncomfortable with it at the same time. It's really hard to describe. It is, yeah. Play. Like even the weapons and stuff, they're, they're so, so weird. And they've got, they've all got just strange names. And then, and then you're going Baltor. to places that are like relatively conventional in some ways. It's mm. like, I'm in a factory. Or like I'm, you know, here's a here's a forest or an icy sci-fi facility or something. It's mm. not like the, the environment. Some of them are weird, but none of them is like as weird as the people you are. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then and then I take a mission. And it's like, oh, you'll get an egg out of this. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And so I do the mission, and I got my egg. And it's like, oh, okay. I craft a thing to unlock the egg, and then a dog comes out. <laughs> And now the dog just wanders around my spaceship. And, but I had to do some missions for the dog to grow up. Now the dog's grown up, the dog comes up with me on missions and it attacks people and fucking rips their throat out just while I'm shooting dudes. And, uh, and because of just the weird sort of slightly shonky way this game works. Dog egg. The, yeah. the, 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 the dog that came from the egg, uh, has one animation for ripping dudes' throats out. And it, what it does is it, it stands on its hind legs and it rests its paws on the enemy's shoulders and then it bites their neck until it's done enough damage. And then they fall over but what if the enemy is bigger than the dog what because there are lots of enemies of different heights in this video game uh so what, what then oh oh we need to solve this problem oh the dog just grows in size to match what? whatever it's trying to kill <laughs> so if you're if there's like a 12 foot tall boss as creature, the doom marine will need to. <laughs> <laughs> and i i noticed this the first time in this already surreal game that's kind of just very strange and slightly disconcerting to play uh even though i'm just completely addicted to it and quite enjoying it just watching turning around and seeing my dog 12, suddenly 12 foot tall trying to take down an enormous fucking slimy tentacle monster it's like why is it so big and then until I realised obviously this, this is just an animation thing that it's, a, it's somebody you don't know sex dream yeah, well, <laughs> the thing like it is definitely like it does feel like that kind of like acid trip 80s mm. comic book sci-fi where it's just like this is it belongs on channel 5 you know yeah. <laughs> this game belongs on channel 5 and for anyone outside of Britain <laughs> what channel 5 is it was basically um, when before the that existed for a bit uh, was where soft porn lived and stuff like Lex for example used to get shown uh, which is a, yeah. an old kind of lo-fi science fiction series which <laughs> with very strange like ideas and a very low budget uh, and I don't know there's a bit of Warframe in there I quite it's so unique there's nothing like it nothing work nothing works how a game should work like leveling up doesn't work that way uh, there you can earn credit with factions so there are factions in this game you can mm. you know earn experience with them but there are like uh eight factions and they have different relationships with one another and if you game relationship relation with one another one hates you but another one sort of likes you and so you're trying to balance so how many people can i please at the same time with this absurd faction system let's go online and like uh there are three optimal ways that you can please only four <laughs> factions using this system and you have to do this point at this particular point as soon as they start to like you you need to quit and go and like <laughs> it doesn't work like any other faction system where you just like in world of warcraft you just gain your reputation with the thing and they give you the loot not in this game everything is over i feel like it's from a different dimension it doesn't is it? crazy <laughs> it's so crazy but i completely understand why people are into it because it's like 
so dense it sucks you in and yeah it encourages a kind of uh online community around this game just to explain just people explaining it to each other basically <laughs> what the fuck is going on like, why is there this a dog in my egg <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're feeling these str- these strange feelings and it's, it's perfectly natural uh, all you need to do is uh grind for boltor <laughs> get your bottles for grind, grind for boltor, for boltor. <laughs> just close your eyes and grind for boltor close your eyes <laughs> Uh, it's it's oh god. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm a babe in this universe, this fucking weird universe I've gone into. I only started playing it on Saturday, and I'm already so deep into it. And I'm, you know, I blame um, my piece of gamer compatriot Stephen Messner, who's been playing Rages and did a very good kind of introduction mm. um, article about it. Where, which, frankly, I don't know how the fuck you'd get into it without any sort of explainer like that. Uh, but it's also incredibly generous. Like you could play so much of it without ever having to put money into it. Uh, and I've played it for ten hours and never felt the urge to put any money in whatsoever. It's free to play. Is it? It's completely free to play. Wow. Um, and there are like there is like a platinum currency. Uh, but because all your leveling is tied to leveling up individual items, actually buying an item with real money doesn't actually progress you in the game in terms mm. of the, your actual overall level because you've still got to level it up. So you might as well craft it because you've got loads of weapons. So in that sense, it's like it really isn't, uh, you know, pay for progress at all. Uh, the things that people tend to play for are like, uh, extra inventory slots, which is super cheap. And, uh, beyond that, cosmetics just to access just weird new fetish where <laughs> for your space game that you like mm. and yeah it's, it's it's good on ps4 as well which is where i've been most of playing it but it's you know mm. it's primarily a pc game the pc game is ahead in terms of updates and things like that updates are free regularly added and the next update they're planning not only has a massive new open world zone but cooperative spaceship combat where mm. which is almost like ftl but you're in the oh spaceship one person is piloting it through through oh, yeah. an encounter and the other two can take weapons. And then you know, when you get close to the ship you need to take down, you shoot one of your companions out into space and they use the, you know, the space uh, maneuvering that I described earlier for those space missions. Uh, and you pilot into the enemy ship and they go around while the person in the ship hacks terminals to open doors for them. Oh my God. And like the, and Are you just, saying you go inside the spaceships? I'm saying that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm in. And uh, that's the weird thing about this game. Like there's nothing about the game that suggests that it needed that. You know, and that's what all the updates feel like. This, like, I'm pretty sure there's no one saying, "Why can't I hatch a dog from an egg in this game?" <laughs> in the forums, and yet they put it in because they sort of thought they've solved a lot something. of problems that weren't problems. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I'm really quite endeared. I find it quite endearing. Like, yeah, yeah. how kind of scattered, just kind of scattered it is, and weird it is, and there's really nothing like it. And it's, uh, and again, it's like, as far as I could tell so far, it's really. Uh, it's not exploitative in the way that it actually mm. tries to make money from from its audience, and there's so many people play it. What a weird game! A strange game. Strange, strange game. It's like a sort of strange B side of MMOs. Mm. I'm trying to think about. I'm trying to figure out the analogy for like what it is. It's, it's kind like, of a, it's kind of like a session play game. It's like it is kind of a co-op session game. I don't know what it is. It's the jazz MMO. Mm. In the, in the, in the, it's kind of freewheeling and you don't really know where it's going next and but it's sort yeah. of it behaves to some sort of internal logic that there's a rhythm somewhere yeah well whereas yes exactly whereas like um and obviously if you're a connoisseur of it you can kind of follow it and appreciate its ideas artistically or design wise or in any possible way mm. but there's a sort of orthodoxy that sets in around like how everyone else makes an mmo that it is defiantly on the other side of 
yeah, it's definitely reject. It's definitely not doing anything in a straightforward way. So mm. like, we're not going to do a PvP mode the way that everyone does it. We're going to do our own weird ass thing. Yeah, sexy, sexy, strange game. Tom Francis, what have you been playing? I've been playing Unavowed, hmm. uh, which is the new advent- point-and-click adventure game from Wajidai Games, um, mm. written by Dave Gilbert. They did um, Blackwell Legacy is the series that they're best mm. known for, oh, yeah. and then. The Shiva is, I think, another of their games or series of games. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like I was, uh, duped into being excited by, about this <laughs> because I, I'm not into point, point and clicks. It's not at all my genre. I usually dislike them. Um, I, way back in the day, I liked Monkey Island and, and the LucasArts ones. Uh, but mostly because there were no games that made any sense or were in any way intuitive or accessible. And so the fact that point-and-click games were incredibly obtuse and frustrating at times didn't count. It was just like, oh, but these are great stories and everything's obtuse and frustrating <laughs> at this point <laughs> in video games. Um, and since then, I haven't really liked them because there are games now that you can play without being stuck for ages. Um, and then <laughs> I just remember being annoyed on Twitter because David Gilbert was tweeting like, Blackwood Legacy is out in, and it would be like, 14 days <laughs> like oh god that's not that's not close enough for this to be like a hype tweet uh and getting slightly irritated by those endlessly retweeting but then like when it was like it's coming out tomorrow i was like oh shit it's coming out tomorrow <laughs> now i'm really excited to play this game for some reason uh, so that tactic works annoyingly even though it's quite frustrating to read um and yeah i just like for some reason really really fancy just a pure narrative game mm. just like a nice story the pixel art um all the screenshots that they've been posting really gorgeous um and it's a game about uh demonic possession in the modern day so it's a modern day setting and the art style is very um uh it reminds me a lot of indiana jones and the fate of atlantis if anyone mm. oh, played cool. that which yeah, is yeah. like close to realistic very realistic proportions not cartoonish but just a little bit stylized um, and obviously, and set the same mix of like supernatural elements with the real world. Um, and, uh, I love it. <laughs> I had a really good time. I finished with it now and I just had a brilliant time. Um, there were a couple of puzzles that were really obtuse and I had to look up a walkthrough, but you know, walkthroughs exist and actually Steam makes it even easier to, you know, in game, you can just press a combination and click guides and then just see how do I solve this fucking puzzle and then just move on with it and I had to do that like three times which is low for me with an adventure game usually I have to look it up like every scene um and the thing the first thing I, I that really grabbed me about it is just like man the plot really moves along it just it starts you out in a situation that's kind of uh, mysterious and bizarre and you're trying to figure out who you are in this world and like uh, what your um story is and uh very very early on really shocking things are happening you're just like oh my god what like within the first five minutes of the game uh which is very rare usually one of the things i don't like about the genre usually is there's just so much fucking backstory and lore Mm. and scene setting and building up and building up and building up until one interesting thing happens and then another six hours of looking into that whereas this um uh kicks off really fast and um then it just has this really nice structure of like, it's divided into very self-contained episodes, um, that are, uh, kind of, it, it's very much, uh, based on Bioware games in its structure. So mm. you have companions and after a certain point, you can choose which companions you take on with you on each little, um, adventure. And like Bioware games, it kind of, 
it has these points where it's like now there's three things you can do and you can choose whatever order you want to do them in but you do have to do them all um and so each one of those will be a location in new york that you go to there's been some kind of demonic or supernatural activity you investigate what the hell it is uh you are central to all of it because you um i won't spoil anything about the plot uh that isn't to- that you're not told from the opening scene um but basically you've been possessed and you've done some shit and so in each scene you kind of you have flashbacks to like what you've done and um that gives you leads to investigate the, the paranormal activity going on and they're so good at like within the space of half an hour probably each of these is a little self-contained plot that escalates to like really high stakes and to a really tough decision it'll like bioware games again it'll, it'll build towards a situation where like well, these two forces are in conflict. These two people want different things. This person's in a terrible, awkward situation. There's no good answer to this. What do you want them to do? And um, uh, it kind of has a, a similar, uh, not really problem, but sort of slightly odd thing that bio games also have, which is like, well, why is it me deciding this? <laughs> <laughs> and that there's um, an early scene where it's like, this. I'm making a huge decision about this person's life. And I'm just asked, like, which, what do I think they should do? And, uh, I just said, well, it should be your choice. And they said, oh, I can't decide. I think you should decide for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just have to make this massive decision for you. And so I actually made that decision purely on what, just before I had to make that decision, what it sounded like that person kind of wanted. They wouldn't right. tell me what they wanted, but I felt like what they'd said was kind of leaning towards this. So I'm going to choose that for them because I think they should choose. And I think they would have chosen that if they mm. weren't. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, some of those are, are properly tough. Like you just have to stop and think, oh God, none of these options are good. <laughs> but the the choices do feel natural. It's not like, oh, but I can think of this third option. Why don't we just do that? Uh, it does feel like, oh, I don't see any way to make everyone happy here. And uh, there's often like a tension between what you would... There's one scene where I'm just like, if this was real, I would definitely just cave to the bad guy, do what the bad guy wants because he's got someone hostage and the risk that they'll kill them is just too great. Um, but I was just kind of like so intrigued they didn't have to. <laughs> I was like, really have to think about it for a long time. And I thought, I'm just going to see what happens if I <laughs> don't do this, if I resist the bad guy and just let them kill this hostage. Um, and actually in that particular scene, it's it again, it's very much shouldn't be your decision to make. Someone else has a way bigger stake in this than you do. Not the hostage, but someone else. Um, and... I was, that's why I was fascinated by it. Why can I decide this? And so I tried it and they said, no, no, don't listen to that. <laughs> like they just overruled me because it, it kind of was their decision. Um, and so each chapter builds towards its climax and they all have their own kind of like theme to it. Um, it has a very convenient, uh, story reason for why you have to investigate a series of paranormal happenings. Um, and that part is maybe a little bit fudged, but it's such a good framework for just a series of really good, self-contained stories um you're you're part of a like the unavowed is a sort of supernatural crime fighters or uh they fight the supernatural what is is an unavowed so i looked it up because i was also the um avowed is like when you publicly sort of swear something so if you're an avowed vegan you've publicly said i'm a vegan you know it's like hold me to this and so if you're unavowed, I guess you just haven't really committed yet. <laughs> it, the non-committal. It, the game does not explain this any better <laughs> than, than Googling the word. Just say, like, disavowed would be more dramatic. It's disavowed. Like you yeah. You turned your back on it. Yeah, because unavowed would suggest that somebody else hasn't hasn't made any promises about you. Yep. Just no, no one's made any promises. 
<laughs> no promises here. Um, your compatriots are, uh, some of them are sort of supernatural themselves. It, it, the choosing the who you take with you is a, a nice idea, and it does. It's better than not having that feature, but I can't help but sort of ache for the amount of work they put into it, <laughs> and it has a big downside. The big downside is, you know, one of your, your compatriots is someone who can talk to ghosts. Uh, the Fire Mage, and I love this, uh, one of his abilities, other than Flying Cryables, is he can read any text that's been burnt. So if anyone's ever burned a book, it, like any book that's ever been burned, he can read it if he knows, like, what to look for. Um, and uh, then one of them just has a sword. <laughs> that's her thing. <laughs> and sword guy. And it's a cool Ian. One of them's a cop with a gun. She has a gun. That's her thing. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, like i hate to give this advice but if you haven't played it yet and you're going to play it i would just say take the ghost guy and take the fire guy because if you don't if you don't i swear to god every single time it's like you get there and there's a fucking ghost right there and you cannot talk to them unless you, you have can't a ghost guy shoot with you. it all <laughs> uh sorry can you still uh, see it if you don't bring the... You can still see it, which is the frustrating oh, thing. It'd annoying. almost be better if you couldn't see it. Right. Uh, but you can, and you what can't talk do? to it. Like, you don't know what it is. Yeah, it's uh, all ghosts look the same, which actually I kind of like. It's this weird thing where, like, the person who can talk to ghosts can also see ghosts. He knows what they look like, but he doesn't know who they are, and he can talk to them, but um, uh, you can't. And also, it is almost comical, like... Every time I left the fire major behind, within five minutes, someone's talking about, oh yeah, and they just burnt the receipt right there on the spot. <laughs> or they were at a barbecue and they threw the journal onto the grill. <laughs> and there's a car wreck and their driver's license got burnt up. Like, oh my God, all these the crucial texts the being The one burnt. time where you need the shredder mage. <laughs> <laughs> or the soiled mage. <laughs> so, How did yeah. you find the... Because um, the, it looks very 1990... Six. <laughs> Does that? Did you find the kind of like? Obviously, you you can trade on that. But mm-hmm. Did you find that retroism? Like it's got the it's yeah. Got I like the, it. He's got that font. I like that it looks, and it's mercifully um, modernized in terms of usability. Um, so the the pixel art, it's got a nice kind of mix of like uh, quite old fashioned uh, pixel art for the. The general scenes but when anyone's talking there's a portrait on like they're just superimposed on the scene that is um uh, actually done by a different artist um and is still pixel art but it's much more detailed and kind of more characterful and they have different expressions for what they're saying and stuff that works really well it's also voiced and there's a very strange thing going on that i love which is um one of the things i really really like about it and that a key to me getting along with this game is you can skip every fucking thing super fast and it just I don't know. There are games where you can skip the dialogue, but it kind of hates you doing it and it will cause a little delay and it'll be like, Oh, nothing, nothing's quite ready for you yet. Oh, no, we need to learn this stuff. This game seems to love you skipping it. Like it's so quick. It's, it's just like, I found it deeply satisfying to play. And even on the first time through, it's fully voiced, but there's, you're reading the text at the same time. And I would always just read the thing. And as soon as I finished reading it, I skip the line, even though they're still saying it. And. In a way, that's a waste of the voice acting. But also, if it wasn't voiced, I would get much less out of it somehow. Like, the fact that I know what this line does sound like, I know what this person sounds like and how they're emoting it, mm. whatever. I don't need to hear the whole line. I just need to hear a little bit of it. And in a weird way, it almost gets stored in my memory as if I did hear them say the whole line. Mm. In the same way that, like, when you're watching a subtitled movie, after a, a while, you your brain is sort of feeling like you're hearing them say it. Like, not yeah, literally, yeah. but you kind of, you forget you're reading anything. Um and so it just that feels very slick and smooth to play like that. I can breeze through it at my own pace. It's totally up to you how um, how fast or slow you want to play it. And a really nice um, 
little feature is that instead of having to like click on look at and then click on an item just as you're moving the cursor around it is telling you what you would say if you're looking at it so it just it describes everything as you move the cursor oh around you don't even need to click just it, all of that That's and so good. that also boils everything down to if the cursor doesn't turn into a use cursor as you mouse over something then you don't need to use it and it's really just stuff you can use people you can talk to and exits those are the only three things that you have to worry about man and you can you do have an inventory and you can use items on other items but it's it's all pretty intuitive and also you have your companions are in your inventory strangely <laughs> so if you want to tell one of your companions to like interact with something you go to inventory and you select them from there and then say you i mean usually it's fire mage on thing that needs melting <laughs> or ghost guy on the ghost <laughs> And then, uh, like halfway through, uh, uh, basically it has the, the story developments in it are really good. Each like chapter kind of advances the story a little bit. I love the feeling of just like knowing it's, it's a mystery and just knowing you're going to be getting juicy bits of new information at every stage is really compelling. Um, and then uh, there was one moment in the story that just made me say, what? <laughs> for, like, continuously. For, for, uh, <laughs> this might be the first time I've heard you recommend a, an adventure game. Yeah. Ever, Tom. Like, are I mean, there any uh, others you'd recommend? You? I do love, uh, I loved Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Yeah, I loved uh, Grim Fandango. And I love Longest Journey. All three of them I needed walkthroughs for. And this I did as well, but less so. Hmm. Um, and I would say it's the best adventure game I've played since the good old days. Nice. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I yeah. definitely into that. Hmm. Apparently, it's um, it has broken their one month sales record in one week uh, for oh, Wedge wow. Games, uh, but they do clarify that that's you know it's a hit in their books, but it's still quite modest by most people's standards. Mm. Um, is it the unavowed? Or? Yeah, uh, no, just unavowed. Just unavowed. Yeah, right. Um, and only two people on my Steam friends list play it, so that's quite low, and more people should. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Uh, I've been playing a game uh, that has sold very well because uh, I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter World. Oh yeah, mm. uh, which came That's out last game. week on PC, and I appreciate Tom and Alex. You both played it on PlayStation. Yeah, that we spoke about it on the pod a few weeks. Yeah, ago. Yeah, and I appreciate that we we sort of we have it was, it was months ago now because it was when it came out on the oh god yeah, oh, yeah, six months good. ago. But yeah, so I appreciate that we've we've talked about it before. So we haven't gone about it too much, but still good though. <laughs> it is very good and. Um, there's just so many things I like about it, but so to, so this is a game where it's kind of, um, sort of hard, it's sort of technically like, I guess, sort of like an open world RPG, but it really is a, a hunting game to the extent that it's about going out on these expeditions to, uh, slay or capture monsters, to gather materials, to improve your gear, um, and, and then to sort of do it all again, basically in sort of remixed forms, either in co-op or by yourself. Each, each of its levels, they're not like massive, not like the biggest open worlds you've ever been in, but they almost, they're almost constructed like Mario Kart tracks. They're these kind of like winding, <laughs> like meshes of shortcuts and kind of arenas mm. and, and, and sort of throughways. And every fight you have, you know, involves travel, you know, across the map and everything feels sort of, uh, I, I don't really know where to start with it. Cause when you first start playing it, it's, it's half brilliant in terms of lots of things about its presentation that I want to get to, but also, you know, it, it front loads a lot of things that maybe it assumes you understand. Like, difference between, you know, when you first start playing, you really don't know what it means to press B on some nuts versus pressing B on some mushrooms. Those are very, very different things in Monster Hunter. Mm. You know, B on a fern, that's its own different thing. Um, you know, you're just pressing B on a lot of things and gathering up all these materials. 
And it's a game that sort of exists right on the edge of being too fiddly to function, basically, at any given time. It's only by virtue of the fact that you have, for example, like infinite inventory space for crafting materials. Not for everything, but for like the, the important stuff. Hmm. And that everything kind of spills out in this way. I'm, I'm sort of maybe struggling to kind of articulate why it's good straight away, but I think more, maybe to be less generalist and more, more subjective, I have not really not sunk any significant time into a new video game f- f- for months. Like Subnautica was the last time a game really grabbed me and kind of like I sat and played it for a long time. I don't play games to, in the way that I used to. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've played a bunch of things that I've liked this year, but I find it really easy to put things down. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I've, I've played, you know, a number of like single, short single player games all the way through, but there's a reason that like, I look at something like the Red Dead trailer and I'm like, yep, I'm basically done, you know, like I play, you know, bits of PUBG here and there, but like I've become the kind of person who has an hour to play. Um, and therefore one game, and I try to play a lot of different games, so therefore one game is very unlikely will kind of keep me coming back. And also as my hobbies have changed. And Monster Hunter has really cut through that in a way that it's sort of a pure video game and a very well nicely, a nicely crafted video game, but it's just such a kind of relentless source of enjoyment to play. Um, that also fits into sort of relatively modest play times that maybe a little bit like with you and Warframe, Tom, mm. it's sort of just become the thing I just want to play. And partly that's because of, you know, obviously the compulsive nature of crafting and, and slaying the next monster and getting the gear and, and figuring out, Oh, but if I kill that monster again or capture it this time, I can build this chess piece and, and this kind of thing. And I could get into its RPG systems and why I think they're clever and, and what they like to do. So, you know, gear does get better as you go up and level, but like you never level up. Uh, gear has, each piece of gear has skills attached to it. And so if you're using a weapon with poison attack on it, then, and one particular monster early in the game drops a belt that increases the poison attack skill, that's your only way of getting it. And if you have belt and gloves, then you have level two, but they might come from different creatures. And so the the progression system actually sends you back out into the world and all this stuff. But a thing I think that gets me the most about it is its presentation is brilliant, both in terms of obviously it's a really good looking game. Monster designs are amazing. Like it's just kind of top to bottom, great characterful creature designs that are all amazingly animated, Mm -hmm. loads of personality. Um, at like its version of a T-Rex, which is kind of like the first big kind of the boss, Anginath. is also the Anjanath is also kind of like a vulture, which is a really kind mm. of cool link, like almost like dinosaurs raptor, are big yeah. birds kind of thing. Like yeah, yeah. It has this sort of like you know the, the 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 not frill, um, like the rough of a vulture kind of thing, and it's really threatening. I I just killed a very very angry lizard dog in a kind of like rotting oh, stomach kind of wasteland thing. And it looks furious in its animations, the way it kind of snaps the at you. The o- yeah, o- 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 Ogodon. Man, that yeah. thing is fucking furious. It's, it's <laughs> very angry, it's angry. so dog. angry. Red I love dog. fighting that thing. Yeah. I hate it, but I love it. But you know what I mean? It's kind of an asshole. Like, yeah, they have so much, they, totally they have the monster's personality. Mm. And like, and it has this strange, strange relationship with the fact that like, you're also kind of an asshole. Because, mm. you know, you kill these monsters that start to flee and limp and run away. You oh, chop yeah. their tails off and harvest their tails for bits and stuff. You do all this stuff. But also, it has such a kind of like, fun sense of humor about itself. Mm. Um, that, um, for some reason, just, you know, like it's, it's just, um, it's a sort of, I, I have found it like very refreshing as a place to spend time. If that makes sense. Like all the characters 
kind of really like each other and really like monster hunting and really like what they're <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. They're, everyone's just having a really good time even though there are like there's like you know stakes and it's kind of about discovering the kind of cycle of life and some uh, discovering some truth about nature by killing a lot of it mm. um like um there's a real sort of like fun like not it's never like not wholesale levity but it, there's maybe uh, um, there's a goofiness to there's it. There's like yeah, a light goofiness. Like you have a you, as soon as you build your, your your good character creation, you build your character, and then you build your uh, palico, which is your little best friend who's a cat, mm. like an anthrop, like a cat walks on two legs, and these are just part of society. Uh, I have not played a previous Monster Hunter game, so they're not explained. You just everyone <laughs> like and and you have a palico that follows you around. Players do, and you can build them armor and equipment. They fight on your behalf. They use gadgets. They can speak. Um, but they are most, they can talk in chat, but they mostly just meow or otherwise because they're basically cats. But like cats also just do jobs around the town and things. <laughs> they cook you beautiful meals. They cook you incredible meals. The most them. incredible looking. The animation, the, an, the animation for when the cats are cooking your oh, meal so is incredible. Um, Tom, Tom, is, is the, is Monster Hunter food more or less tasty than Final Fantasy? Uh, that's the ultimate, 15? that's the ultimate face off. Uh, it's <laughs> weird how like Japanese games are kind of obsessed yeah. with food. Cause I was thinking about and this in Yakuza. Yakuza as well yeah. yeah um i do but i think um so what you get from final fantasy is the finished product what you get from monster hunter is the delight of Price cats Price. cooking that for you <laughs> yeah. putting it on the when you upgrade walls, it and it adds slice when you part. upgrade it and it adds more cats <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the best animation is when you unlock the like there's just so much lovely detail in it like mm. um because it looks extremely silly like the best way i could describe it is like the the arm the, the armor suits are insane like you dress up almost as the monsters yeah right and like it's so kind of vibrant and fun my favorite palico animation is the one where you deploy the trail raider trail raider safari oh, uh, yeah, which yeah, is fun. so good so the trail raider safari is i think you unlock a little bit later in a little bit deeper into the game mm. i'm about 20 i played about 25 hours of it wow um, oh so you've got the second animation for when they deploy um, like falling down. You look at that is the first because that's when you get them. Because uh, there's yeah. one when you deploy them from your house because your butler is also a cat. Um, but yes. um, have you got the, have you got the new house? Yeah, I've got the second house. Yeah, that's that's the good one. Yeah, that's good. Um, but so you get this. You, <laughs> what are you all talking about? <laughs> so, uh, I'll explain this animation. So basically, <laughs> this is a feature play. called like the game is all about just collecting and and f- sort of farming, but it's all fun and stuff. Hmm. Uh, you're not this thing called the Trail Raider Safari, which is where you can send out cats that you've met by playing co-op with other players. So their partners, their, okay. their, their, their cat companions, their palicos are assembled into teams of three that you can then send out on missions for you. And you get a choice of routes they can take. And those routes take the form of like, they'll go to this zone and they'll fight these monsters in this order, these five monsters. And they, and each of these would constitute a quest if you did it, basically. And every time you decide to do a quest, they do one. And then when they finished all of them, they come back and they give you the rewards. So they don't get the same things you would get out of it, but it's sort of just like a little efficiency boost. You know, if you were to do it in dry mechanical terms, it's just a little kind of another button to push, another kind of process to set in motion while you're doing the busy work of crafting up your healing potions and making traps and, and all the stuff you do in the game. But the animation is fucking great because you'd pick which team you want to send out and they're like, wah! <laughs> we're going and then and then you, and there's always this great music when you send palicos to do anything and and you send them on and you pick the mission and they're all like they look at each other like yeah we're going and then they bound down they're in a flight they're in a floating galleon basically like suspended in the sky <laughs> by balloons and they leap down like one of the 
one of the other palicos who's like working the galley and like pulls a big lever and they all like cling onto the anchor what would be the anchor for a ship if it was at sea and then this person like pulls the lever and releases it and the anchor just starts like shooting down through the atmosphere and they're all holding onto it like yeah we're going on a huge adventure and then right as it gets to its like terminal velocity as they're being kind of deployed you it just closes in on one of the three cats which i, I stress is like just pulled from whatever they're dressed as based on the equipment that their players have made for them. And you see the slightest shadow of fear across its eyes. <laughs> and like, what am I doing? And then it cuts. <laughs> and it's just the best. And, it's and so it could be dressed as a funny. bug. It yeah. could be dressed as a... I've got mine but dressed as a ladybird. At the yeah, moment. ladybird. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, uh, mine for a long time was dressed in the armor you get from the... Is it the Rodaband, the big roly bot beast? Mm. Where yeah. basically you dress the, um, the cat basically like a little mech. And it's just wearing this little tiny right, space yeah, suit. It's enormous. Oh, it's so good. Sometimes when a mission ends, you just randomly give it a sausage. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. But on top of all of this stuff, which has just made me very happy, basically, it just mm. makes, like, every time I go back to it and please, I watch the, I don't watch the crafting animation every time, but I do watch the cooking animation every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you music is in my brain forever now. Um, uh, but like also the, um, I have basically, uh, I played, I tried one weapon when I started because I'd never played Monster Hunter before and then I switched to something else, something a little bit more advanced. Uh, can you guess which weapon I went for in the end? Ooh, I, I don't think, you know. I don't think you went sword and shield. I bet it was charge blade. No? Bow. Insect glaive. Oh. Of course it bloody was. Of course <laughs> it was. Esoteric weird one. Yeah, weirdest, I was going to say that. <laughs> it's the weirdest weapon. It's so, very odd. This is, Can so you this imagine, is, like, you are a developer and you've got to come up with, uh, a weapon designed for, for hitting and dispatching vast fucking dinosaurs, right? This is so mm-hmm. good. The insect mm-hmm. glaive is probably never anything you're ever going to imagine. Well, a lot of them yeah, like this. So there's like the, when I first started playing, I picked the long sword because I was like, I just want to learn oh, yeah. basically, long what, good. Yeah. basically yeah. what is going on. Yeah. Like, and then I was like, okay, I get this. Uh, I want to try something different. Like I want to try one of the, I try, they, you know, they have like an accessibility rating and I was like, I'm going to try one of the ones that isn't three star accessible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Insta glaive is two star accessible. Um, and like, this is the thing, like, uh, obviously Warframe does this. It's, 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 I think a good, any good sort of action RPG, which Monster Hunter basically is, does this, where it's like, you pick a playstyle, and if that playstyle is still fun to do 20 hours in, and you don't want to change, then that's, they've, they've really nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah. And like, so, and each, and it, it's now weird to me that there's like 14 weapons in the game, and they all might as well be different games, because yeah, Monster Hunter for me, yeah, Monster Hunter yeah. for me is the game that I play with the insect glaive. For sure. And what this yeah. means is my way of taking out a monster mm. is, so I have a glaive, like a spear thing, and I have a huge customizable bug that sits on my right arm. <laughs> uh, no, my, my left, my left arm. Mine at the moment is a huge, it's a, um, a huge, like bulk, chunky, fuck off ladybird basically um and it does crush damage and it has and thunder damage and it leaves paralyzed spores behind so so what i do is i shoot it's good we understand oh yes yeah what i do you have to send it off yeah so i have an attack i have two things i can either shoot a a bait dart out of my spear or i can hit with it with the bait thing activated to leave a mark on the monster so like a splatter of bug bait on its face or its knee or something like that and then the bug goes zzz and starts hitting that part of it as much as it can. It does its damage and things. And then when it hits a certain part of the monster, it'll pick up a certain buff. Mm. And it'll either be speed, attack, damage, or armor. And most of the time you get attack from, you get damage from the head, um, speed from the limbs and armor from the body and a, a fourth healing effect from the tail. Yeah. But it's different on every kind of monster. So you have to learn this. 
And some parts of different monsters are harder to hit than others. So some monsters have really big heads and like to charge at you. So that's easy. Whereas on some monsters, the limbs are hard to hit because they've got big wings that drape over them. You, what you do is you send when it got, when it's got a particular color of buff, you pull the bug back and then it gives you the buff and then you send it out again. And each combination of colors does something different. And when you have all three, you gain loads of other buffs including the ability to like not be stunned when monsters roar, which is a really huge thing. Mm. And you can also, while this is happening, so you're shooting the bug to kind of get things. You also have this really agile spear. So you can leap into the air, which most character classes can't do. You vault basically. And then when you're vaulting, you can either do like a ground attack, which is pretty powerful, or you can do a kind of like spinning combo. And if the last attack in the combo connects with anything, it begins the aerial sequence over again hmm. so you can do this thing where you kind of stay in the air for ages just like <laughs> flying backwards and forwards over the monster yeah um but you lose control of your bug while you're doing that so there's this strange game of like bug management and spear combat and, and aerial juggling just simple hitting as well yeah right? which is like and also every Those time mounting. your bug hits the enemy it leaves a cloud of spores behind of a particular elemental type and these activate when they are hit by anything. Mm. So mine leave, mine leave like paralyzed spores behind. So I might fight a monster in a particular place and those spores just sort of hang in the air and then the monster moves and I lure it back into that space and then do my aerial combo to like spin through them and detonate them, mm. which then paralyzes the monster. But there might be healing spores or it's just fucking crazy. The insect life is fucking mad. Yeah. Like I play it in co-op a lot and I haven't seen anyone else using it in co-op. And it's oh, really, really, yeah. Cause it's big on the, you know, it's just the, all the, long swords, like in, in the kind of like the original vote, like, uh, Monsanto. I mean, I'm not saying like special, yeah, I, I'm a butterfly literally, but like, it's, it's more that like, I really haven't seen anyone using it. Yeah. That's and interesting I've, that people aren't, maybe it's because a lot of the PC players aren't totally new to it. Right. Yeah. Totally yeah. New to it. But it's been, it's been really fun to like, uh, because you know, one of the factors of its co-op thing is that there's not friendly fire, but you can interrupt each other so if you're both uh, whacking the same thing and you hit each other you interrupt each other's combos so on the previous games i was into great sword which is like a super simple very like straightforward weapon super disruptive but incredibly you have to be very careful like this is a a vast like it's it's taller than you are that your character is and you wear it on your back and when you use it you're kind of staggering slightly because it's just so heavy you're kind of you're sort of holding it sort of away from your body but you can see just how heavy it is in the way the stance and you can't move very fast but you can still roll Mm. so like the the secret to it is that you're constantly getting it out and then stowing it so you can run normally and then you can putting one hit and then stowing it one hit and then stowing it Mm. constant staccato thing and picking your moments because you hit really hard just like for one hit and then you put it away again but then uh once you know that a, a monster is going to be in one place for a while maybe it's stunned or something mm. there are all these charge moves and things which really kind of you know you are a real damage dealer when that happens but as tom was saying you can really really disrupt there's various motions there's a a spin move that it does which just knocks other players flying doesn't hurt them but it just they just fly out of the it's way it's going to mess up their combos and like they will get fucked up and they'll get angry mm. with you so you you've got to be a really careful player and like that that's the great sword play and like it's like it initially seems quite simple but actually it's yeah, all about right. you have to read 
every movement of you and have it to rewards know you so much for just greater understanding and precision yeah. and like knowing it's a real skill game like it really i is. know the patterns yeah. i know this monster that it's yeah. going to dodge this way i know this like i know that for example now that like i actually do more damage with my ground combos than i do with the aerial stuff but if i'm playing co-op and there's no other insect life people i can do the aerial stuff relatively safely because no one else is up there yeah. so it's like i'll just fly like if i can get the full five chain off a particular kind of big monster with wings you can fly basically up along its body back and forth just doing damage and everyone else can do whatever the hell they like yeah. and you can sort of stay with it for ages and you can mount the monster easier because you can get up there easier yeah. and i love that feeling of like having a role yeah but also the other thing and i appreciate obviously we talked about it before but like i really do it really am like in love with it a bit because it's just like exactly the game i wanted i think also partly because it's not that it feels disposable but because it's a little bit lighter because it really doesn't like it has it's very strong identity but it's not trying to tell me a particular story really i feel like i can play as much of it as i want to without feeling like i you know kind of it's this sort of like lifetime commitment um but also um i love how much spectacle it manages to get out of these creatures and like these environments that you know initially like there isn't like a load of them like it's not like massive necessarily but like you know at the moment i'm trying to finish off a few more arginaths because it's a bounty basically and i want to kind of get some armor cores so i can look at etc 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 but like every time i go and fight one of those vulture t-rexes something mad happens right like uh you know it gets into a turf war with another monster and you get these kind of crazy animations and then you see that a couple of times and it's cool but then you see it in a place you never thought you'd see it and the fact that like uh, I think, uh, maybe to broaden this out, like something that I think about a lot and thought I was thinking about the Red Dead thing is like, at this point in my, you know, understanding of games, I see how games are made as much as I see the game. And so with something like Red Dead, I feel like I've seen a lot of those systems before. Like, you know, you can kind of appreciate how they work, the crafting and stuff like that. And you can present things in new and kind of more interesting ways, but I kind of done it in Far Cry or in another GTA or in another open world game. Mm. And with this, I kind of get, okay, they have particular monster behaviors for arenas, corridors, and they have particular parts of geometry that different monsters know how to deal with. So there is a whole type of monster that has some behavior when it's around a tree or any kind of column. Yeah. Like they can jump up and kind of coil around it and then leap Toby off it. Toby Kodachi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still wearing Toby Kodachi stuff. Yeah, it's a really nice yeah. suit that is. Yeah. That's, that's a fucking cool monster. It's very, as well. yeah, incredible design. Like, the women's fly, one has a like lovely a, It's like a lightning <laughs> flying like squirrel. squirrel. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, lizard cool. thing. Yeah, um, so is that Toby Kodachi you're wearing? It's my favorite design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I'm upgrading, uh, to, uh, Legiana, the flying oh, snow Oh, that's, that's a fucking dragon. beautiful monster as yeah, well. Yeah, great. Yeah. Bit like, of a douchebag though. Annoying. They, obviously they freeze you and so you don't. Yeah. yeah. But you can, and, and, and you can see it if you approach it from a game time point of view, you can see, okay, well they've, they understand how they've got these basically bits of geometry hmm. that monsters know how to interact with. So even though the monsters are these huge things, if you're in an area with these, with columns in it, basically it'll activate the kind of column combos and behaviors from the monsters. But that directly feeds into stuff that a players can work around because you understand, and this feels like being a hunter in some weird way. Like hmm. I understand how a monster's going to behave in a particular environment, but also it allows for kind of like crazy spectacle when things combine in a way that you don't expect. So you get like a, a Toby Kadachi against a, uh, Anjanath mm. in an environment where the Kadachi can climb the trees and you get these crazy, like every, like these crazy, like every frame of the game is like this sort of strange screenshot of like, you know, 
warriors with huge weapons taking on a T-Rex as a giant electric lizard squirrel unfurls its wing flaps and leaps off a tree yeah. at the dinosaur's face while my beetle flies up the dinosaur's ass, and the cat that I'm best friends with shoots it, fl- throws a boomerang at it and it's like I didn't no one would deliberately combine any of these elements but I'm like happy every moment that I'm in there yeah it's extraordinary have you, have you hit high rank yet? no so I'm you sure. should hurry to that really because I've been I've been sort of like every time I go up a star rating I've been like doing everything and then don't, yeah, yeah don't, this is this is the this is the, the big problem with the game yeah. where the, it's so poor at communicating uh, a lot uh, a lot of that is oh it's hysteric and it's as we said when we talked about the podcast previously it's basically a series that's just kind of built on its own fan base over and over again mm. which is why it has so many kind of odd systems that you have to learn uh, but the one big thing that it doesn't tell you is that low rank is a tutorial mm. uh, uh, when you get to high rank your priorities completely change it unlocks all of the crafting materials that you're going to need to actually do stuff in the game and it starts unlocking the big monsters and the fucking most impressive shit there will be a lot more monsters yeah lot more a lot more so but then also what i found as well it yep. was a great big crushing things i had been collecting a lot of i stuff. was doing that as well yep. and then all of that stuff is suddenly Irrelevant. completely right. Out. That's actually very good to know because, yep. and it shouldn't be because actually the game does a good job of making you feel that you can always upgrade your stuff to keep. Mm. If you yeah, like, like I haven't effects. been, I haven't been obsessing about it too. But much. the new stuff is just so yeah. much more better, and it <laughs> so much yeah, more better, so, so much, much more, more better. better. <laughs> but it's uh, um, it it it's also true, mostly looks identical. So so basically. So there's a, there's a, like, a, I remember being quite sad when my Tobikodachi gear, like, I had stuff that was objectively better and like, I just had to put it away. But you get to, you get to make it again in high rank, but it does mean if you've put shitloads into your learning yeah. stuff, like, you're going to feel disappointed. I haven't, like, I haven't, I, I'm glad that I haven't, like, obsessed about that. I've just been sort of, like, ticking off the boxes, like, unlocking Basically, the recipes. Basically, smack, well. smash your way through the story yeah. as fast as you can. Absolutely. Right. Okay. That's hit, good hit high rank. Then once you've hit that point, take as much time then as you, you like. can take your time yeah right okay. and and you fu- you see some fucking best monsters like the best is yet to come <laughs> like the, that's good to know yeah like yeah. that's a problem because I, I i realized like i wasn't min maxing necessarily but like if there was like like i haven't gone any on any hunts specifically to get a piece of gear good like every single level i've gone yeah, like what's the best thing right. i can make right now and then make that and then that's the way to do it yeah well, I, I just like blast through um low rank on with bone armor which is like the thing mm. that you get very quickly just by like yeah, using and it is it's really good and it's designed to be the thing that carries you through to high rank really yeah. uh, and yeah, you just keep putting arms it just never tells you look just get get here because it unlocks fucking the rest of the game uh, but yeah nothing cool. great game you guys, that is a real problem with the game are you guys going to return to it on PC I, I will um, I've been obsessed with Warframe recently but I really want to go back to it because I really want to learn the hunting horn yeah, yeah so the hunting horn oh yeah oh what a beauty I mean <laughs> like I mean we, we, we don't spend too much time on Monster Hunter in the podcast uh, but briefly uh, the hunting horn your attacks each attack is a musical note and you play different tunes with your attacks that <laughs> grant buffs to your party uh, oh and God. you can play oh I've hit this monster in the head with the speed up song that makes all of my <laughs> all of my go mates faster, go faster, and you're there like like away from the action because you're playing your great big thing but it's also a massive really hammer. Good hammer it's a really so you hammer. just you can also smash 
stuffs in the yeah. nose as well. Uh, yeah, so hammers in particular are amazing at hitting it like monster heads. Like they do extra damage, they do extra kind of armor penetration with when you hit them in the head. And so you, with your hunting horn, you sort of play your fucking stupid bagpipe thing by with you know wanging your fucking giant wang around your head, uh, making different <laughs> notes, making the stamina song, making the strength song, making the speed song, and then you go open and clonk a thing in the head and knock it out, and then everyone just wails on it. And I want to learn how to do that yeah. really well. Come and play because I I've... did. I so I I did start playing, and I felt because because there's a lot of tutorial and mm. tech and talking at the start. As much as the tutorial doesn't really tell you about all these mm. little weird filigree details in it, but um, I felt a bit sad as I was going through it. It's like, oh god, I've done all this before, Jesus Christ! But then I did the first couple of like just I I killed a, uh, the first the. The, the, the great, the great Ludoff, yeah. the Grand Ludoff, Gragas, yeah, no, the 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 one with that swallows, yeah, so got, yeah, the great Gragas, yeah, Sorry. okay. Anyway, that Jagras, the great Jagras, yes, yeah. I um, oh, and I killed like, that without getting hit by hit by it once, and I thought, oh fuck, I'm good at this game, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I was also try, I was trying out, I didn't, never done dual blades, which are simple, just They're really very good. fast, mm. yeah. Thing I do love about it. Is it's technically about like an expedition full of like the world's best monster hunters off the traces dragon that's got like this Godzilla dragon that's got a volcano on its back <laughs> and they keep losing it. <laughs> like, how do you lose the dragon? Like, I can fucking smell berries 400 yards away <laughs> and the plot hinges on the fact that 400 of me can't follow a moving volcano. <laughs> That movie Volcano is the worst thing about the game. It's, the, it's terrible, terrible. It's <laughs> really terrible is the worst thing about the game. The worst fight. Run around yeah. on my back and hit. Hit my hit nodes. nodes. <laughs> hit my nodes. Yeah. Fucking amazing game. But yeah, fuck. Uh, uh, Magdoros. Indeed. Let's do some questions. Let's. Let's right. do some questions. We got a lot of questions mm. for the 250th episode, uh, which is my fault because when I was apologizing, uh, for wissing a meek i um i said why not send us some questions um and i meant that but maybe we've got a lot of questions uh more than we have time for now because unfortunately we've already been wanging on for a real long time mm-hmm. about a lot of things so we're going to choose an answer three questions um but we we may well re- return to our bounteous bucket of um queries in a future episode mm. Mm. Alex says, committally. Uh, no, I don't mean that, because there was... There was a, that wasn't meant to sound uncommittal. <laughs> there, there, were, there were a bunch of good questions. Some of them required more research than we're capable yeah. of. Yeah, that's, that's true. Good. Right now. Yeah. So, we will go with the following. Uh, thank you for emailing us, if you did. This is me just passing that buck to future Chris. <laughs> First question comes from Hope, who writes, Hello, everyone. Apologies, I really wanted to come up with a death question, but I thought of a regular one instead. That must be referring to something. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I don't know why. <laughs> it's been too interesting to podcast. So yeah. It's a lot. You must with be the resurgence of No Man's Sky, I was wondering which games you wish had the opportunity to be reworked and given a second life, either due to being lackluster when released or being able to benefit from a different release schedule or newer technologies. Looking forward to more episodes. Hope. I... I mean, it has been returned to you loads of times, but um, I still haven't uh, played the X-Wing that played in my mind or the TIE Fighter that played the in my mind. The X-Wing that played in my mind. That is actually... I can't That's believe, you've, I can't believe yeah. you've just leaked my Twine game. 
Sorry, Tom. Sorry, sorry Tom. Tom. So, to, to be clear, yeah, you should have this is not a game that exists you already. Said, look, every other part of the room is Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really looked at the only other person in the room who's not called Tom and said Tom. <laughs> I do, I do. I know what you mean, though, Alex. But I know like, what you mean. So, so yeah, the no, game that played in my mind, so this is, so uh, it was a game that hinted at sort of grand sort of galactic space battle strategies where mm. sort of, you know, you, you're on this operation and the plan was that these people would then warp in and this would happen and then you'd have to do them, kill that, <laughs> fight this. And it was do just... Do them, kill that. Do the thing. As they say, yeah. I love the bit in The New Hope where, where someone's like, <laughs> do them, do kill, the plan's do contained them. on this RT unit of real life. Akbar this, says... We must do them right up here. Do them. <laughs> <laughs> do them, do them. <laughs> Our belief is that a small sub-fighter could do it right up this way. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Not only do we have to do him, we also have to kill that. <laughs> it's a doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I was really, I was really always just be amazed that the 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 battle was playing out live at the time. You could go out to the mm. map and you could see how these ships were doing that thing <laughs> over by the Honest to God, doing I, I want Alex Wiltshire describes a space battle <laughs> and then they're doing it in there <laughs> they've gone they've done the conquered <laughs> and you'd see the lasers from a distance and it'd be you know that was amazing it was amazing oh my god this is like your fucking Roy Batty moment I know moment. what you mean I didn't know <laughs> Like, I've yeah. seen things you people wouldn't believe. I saw spaceships doing it. I saw lasers from a distance. I think the bombers doing them bigger ships. I went on yeah, the map right and I saw the doings. <laughs> that, I, I totally, I totally empathise with that. But, I got this but you never really saw it. It never really got updated. And you can play something like it with an intensity in the Battlefront games. Mm. Mm, yeah. And, they um, do that. and they are extraordinary spectacles, but... You know, there's simple shooty shoot shoot bangs, right? <laughs> not with not enough doings. <laughs> and I would like to see a marriage of the spectacle. You want a marriage of the shooty shoot 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 bangs and the, doings. And the more sophisticated mm. doings of the nineties. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big. I know exactly what you mean, which is yeah. fucking unfair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> language should mean something. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be able to get away with this, Alex. Uh, I thought I was very expressive. <laughs> I love the objectives that do minimise you as a player and sort of make you a, a kind of... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, now I'm in the sort of, like, fucking Warframe. Like, minimise me, Warframe. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Warframe kind of does this, though. So if it, if you, Put me so, on a taskbar and nowhere else. We, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about, um, like, capture missions earlier where you zap someone and they fall onto the floor face first and then you, zap, you know, dissolve them into dissolve your wristwatch. Them, yeah. um, if you just sort of stand around looking at your scenery, they fuck off and leave with without you what and from the no they no 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 they're Before not in your wristwatch the point you know um they, they they just keep on running uh to their point and then they vanish and like a lot of old kind of space sims were like this where there's a sortie happening and we're not going to really explicitly tell you how to get there you have to use a bit of navigation to actually get to the points where the thing's happening and if you don't get there in time that's the end of that it's not we're not going to the game doesn't wait around for you it's about, uh, games are about you know you need to get involved get stuck in yeah, I would like. I, I, <laughs> honest, <laughs> I would genuinely. I mean, obviously, if it was Star Wars, that's gravy. But like, I would genuinely love a sort of um, single-player strategic starfighter combat game. Mm. You know, the, the so way- there was some. Um, 
Oh man, what House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, yeah. House of the Rising Sun. It's more of a which I didn't though, really, quite. Yeah, I didn't. No, there was no. a certain amount you could direct your ships around, like on, I, on the. Map I mean, I like it. It's, it's a good dogfighting game, but yeah. it doesn't have that like that macro layer of like yeah. planning a mission. Because the thing, I suppose, the thing is, right? People don't tend to make fantasy games with the, with that simulator attitude anymore. Hmm. Like the simulator attitude is, it should take work and planning to to do the good doing. Yeah. Um, and that is still present in traditional flight simulators and, and traditional military sims and, and any game like the armor, right? Where it's like, you gotta right. lie on your belly for half an hour if you want to shoot a man. And other games will let you shoot a man much faster. Immediately, even. Um, but people don't tend to apply that approach to fantasy settings anymore in a way that was quite common in the 90s. Like, you gotta mm. believe the people making TIE Fighter and X-Wing were going, okay, well, the, the only precedent for a game like this, well, there are plenty of precedents for spaceship shooters, but the precedent we want to look to is like, F-15 Falcon right. or something like that. Yeah, we want to figure out how to make that, but with the cool spaceships. Yeah. And that can get to a kind of pedantic place or whatever, but it can also give you a degree of, uh, like a sort of like verisimilitude or the feeling that you were there. I also feel like, now. I feel like that feeds back into the, um, into the fiction. So that feeds back into the films in a way that it kind of expands the films, right? So mm. all those people in those films are actually, it kind of implies they're doing these processes actually, you know, they're, they're scanning, they're scanning, <laughs> they're, 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 you know, they're modulating shield values and stuff. They're looking like out that. the windows. It, yeah. It lends a kind of credence to the world. It yeah. does. It, and that is, that is something that, man, this is not the question at all, but it's something that you've gone about a lot, which is super interesting. And I think can be very positive for world building. Mm. And recently in Star Wars specifically, has almost been raised as a huge problem because that kind of what I would describe as like video game world building or like systemic systems driven world building, where it's like, this is the logic of the universe plays directly against the ability for people to tell mythological stories, which Star Wars ultimately is. Right. Mm. So you get something like the backlash to the last Jedi where suddenly people are very angry that logic that was taught to them by video games, <laughs> that Jedi level up, the Jedi get special powers. And the first one you get is push and then you get pull and then you get saber throw and then you get big jump. <laughs> um, is then subverted by a movie that's more interested in character and theme yeah, than it is yeah, in the yeah. specific kind of granular technicality yeah, of how true, fucking space sure. magic works. Sure. And suddenly people are flipping out and making petitions. Like, that's what's really interesting about the way that video game world building can be both, like, video game, like, honest to God, um, the, the answer isn't that one or the other is bad. The answer is that, strangely, it's sort of like these things have a strange relationship with storytelling. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think um, sort of space combat, the kind of like militaristic level of Star, level of Star Wars, the, the machinery of Star Wars benefits tremendously from that approach. But I don't think uh, – but I always think that the spiritual aspect of Star Wars or the mythological aspect of Star Wars was badly undermined by games, mm -hmm. weirdly. Yeah. It's like, funny. It's almost embarrassing how – strongly that like systemic aspect influences what books i enjoy i'm mm. just like if there's fucking systems and rules and the book actually follows them i'm in <laughs> like, yeah i love the martian just because it's laid out the physics and it, then it obeyed those physics and all the all the solutions mm. had to conform to the rules that were already established and i'm currently reading name of the wind and i don't like anything about it <laughs> except mm. that uh the magic systems that are uh, which are the reasons i was, I was reading because i read them on a wiki and i read that they had these rules to them that are consistent and uh that's just the thing that's drawing me through the whole fucking massive book is that there's this thing called sympathy and like there's rules about how much the efficiency of moving one thing affects the other thing and uh, mm. as soon as it's systemic i'm just totally on board and i want yeah, to yeah. interesting and i think you can have both but i think it takes a sort of level of 
I don't know. Uh, this is a totally separate topic. This is about the way that I think systematizing fantasy fiction has become more normal than yeah. an uh, understanding analogy. Like, <clears throat> like if there's like big long list of things that have gone slightly wrong, like people not really understanding like religious analogy as a right. way of understanding fantasy fiction is a big part of that. Yeah, that's interesting because it also behaves very differently in a very large book than it does in a two-hour film. Yeah, mm. where actually very satisfying plots come from the spiritual elements that aren't. You know, precisely how the character on the thematic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the stuff that delivers satisfaction on a smaller scale, uh, you know, to mm. our span, rather than a world that you're actually sort of intellectually investing in in a book. Like those things, it's very different. They just behave differently. Um, yeah, and <laughs> man, the, the stuff that's come out of the second Star Wars film, the new trilogy, is it's been so dispiriting. Because <laughs> uh, I, I I really like that film a lot and what it tries yeah. to do to reform the Jedi and what they stand for. Weirdly, so I went to see uh, Mamma Mia two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I did you right. about your question games, about updating the games? No, I realised like actually, uh, Mamma Mia two is the last Jedi. Here we go again. That, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> is it, Well, no, I mean, I'm joking and not at the same time, is the last Jedi sequel that fans actually wanted. <laughs> because, well, <laughs> all right. Let's okay. hear about the way you're not joking. <laughs> okay. It's about a young woman who arrives on an island who doesn't know who her dad is. That's Mamma Mia 1. Right. Uh, Mamma Mia 2 deals with a much more fleshing out the backstory of all of the potential dads. <laughs> Um, and Cher is in it. And those, those are like the, you know, honestly, I think, you know, if you really, if you- Is Cher Luke Skywalker? Uh, no, Luke Skywalker is, uh, mm, that's tough in this analogy. Who's I guess- Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is Snoke in this analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Or maybe Colin Firth is Snoke. <laughs> I don't know. But, Colin Firth would have been a great Snoke just in just in Star Wars. <laughs> it would have been amazing. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is that if you if you felt disappointed by the Last Jedi, <laughs> and what you want is a backstory rich story about uh, a young woman discovering her place in the world on an island uh, where her parentage is extremely important, um, uh, but also not important because what really is important is that we love each other and Abba. Abba. Hmm. Uh, and that made me think about, does Abba exist in the Mamma Mia universe? Like, <laughs> is, is this like, zombie movies don't exist in zombie films? Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I no one in a zombie movie can ever have seen a zombie film because otherwise <laughs> they would know what was happening. No one in Mamma Mia can actually know Abba. They'd be freaked out. It'd be because like an existential crisis. happens because Abba is kind of like, uh, music. Break their mind. So, like, God, everything that's happening is just anyway, exactly like Long this story movie. short. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mamma Mia takes place in a universe where Thanos destroyed Abba. <laughs> but maybe yeah, they became part like all of, of Abba or just half but of Abba. On, 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 but two of them would be surviving still. Yeah. That's true. The, the, the A survived, the B's died. You're getting an A and a B either way. Like, and then, and then long story short, then the rest of them kind of merge with the fabric of reality somehow. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like, hmm. maybe like a pocket reality. Yeah, like a pocket reality where hmm. they are, yeah. I don't know where I started on it. Anyway, games that you think would benefit from a revamp. <laughs> I actually do have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, it's a bit of a subversion of the question, but um, uh, I'm updating Heat Signature at the moment. And the reason I'm doing that is because I feel like it needs an update. And That's good. We've done... Uh, like The first update I did was because after it came out, I realized, oh shit, people who are struggling with the game in general are finding it grindy and I should cater better to lower skill players. And that immediately caused a reaction in the higher skill players of like, hey, make the game harder. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, it's too easy. 
because there's a, at any given time there are a bunch of people who think it's too easy and a bunch of people who think it's too hard. Um, so now I'm making an update to cater to the harder players, which I wasn't gonna do because I didn't agree with them. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm very selfish and I only do things I want to do and that I think are fun and worth doing. Um, and so I wasn't gonna cater to the, to the super hardcore players who just wanted to be like a mega challenging thing. But the thing that eventually made me think, okay, this is a game that needs an update. I do need to, to do this is just reading more about what they wanted. I did like a survey of like, here are my ideas to make the game harder. What do you think of these? And also tell me about any of yours. And when I read theirs, I was like, oh shit, they want something totally different to what I'm thinking of. And it's all about like, if you have the best kit in the universe and all these other advantages, what is hard then? How could it ever be challenging then? And at first I thought, well, that's not the point. Restrict yourself, have less kit, take on harder challenges by, you know, having less abilities. Uh, but then when I read about all like the things they wanted from that, I realized, oh, I don't want to do that. But actually, now that you mention it, <laughs> as soon as you start talking about that, I suddenly think, oh, what would be difficult if you did have all the best kit in the universe and got really excited about that? So that's ultimately why I'm updating Signature again is, is, uh, the, I didn't want to do any of the things people were asking me to do, but the problems they were identifying were problems that once I started to think about how I could solve them, the solution suddenly got really exciting and interesting. And, and then it started to feel like, oh, this game is missing something unless I do this. I need to do this now. You need to be careful, Tom. You, you're on the verge of making the, like, the Destiny Endless Treadmill game. <laughs> yeah. Where people just want growing challenges, very, make I, the numbers go up. I really do think about that, especially with Destiny 2, because um, uh, it's just fascinating to see how like so much work goes into it and everyone's no so angry no all the happy. time. Yeah, absolutely right. And it was basically absolutely perfect right. and then it was the worst thing ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely right. Like you, if you get on that track, people will not. That's why satisfied. every update I do for Heasing a Show, I'm like, this is the last update ever. You'll never <laughs> yeah. get another fucking update. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but if you add an egg that turns to a dog, yeah. what about could, could redeem itself. Warframe. Warframe. <laughs> 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 fucking Warframe barbershop court. <laughs> it's, it's fun to sing the phrase Warframe. Yeah, it's fun. Good. Uh, good. Um, Question one down. Uh, well, I was going to say just uh, director's cut of Mass Effect Andromeda. You know it's the right thing to do. Give mm. that game its mm. chance, oh, yeah. you monsters. Reasonable. Next question comes from uh, Chris, who writes... Dear cheese grater, and there's a big queue at the bar. Fucking points for effort. Yeah, wow. Um... What did you want again? Was it a lot? Oh, that's a continuous flesh bit. I fucked this up. Just wanted to say happy 250th to you. Thank you all for the entertainment. Your podcast brings me every week. You're very welcome. Thank you for saying so. Oh, you want the question? Well, what do you predict you'll be talking about in episode 500? By my cunning estimates, that's about five years away. Lol. Thanks, Chris. Mega Curie. Oh, yeah. The four dimensional <laughs> puzzle game. Yeah. Should be out by then. Looking at trailers for that, like, eight weeks ago and Man, that game's not been worked on, surely, right? Or it's impossible? It's it's still being worked on. Apparently it's close now. But that, by that, I take to think 250 more episodes of this podcast and we're really talking yeah. about it. So hang on, that's a good point. Like, what indie develop? So indie, most indie developers are either on a one-year, three-year, six-year, or ten-year cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Um, so which indie developers we know that are on a six-year cycle who started working on a new game last year? <laughs> um, so, like, a lot of long-running stuff came out like the witness that was seven mm. years um yeah. and okay. he's working on something new now he's making a whole new program okay, language we'll for be it. talking about that in five years yep that'll happen <laughs> uh the owl boy guys maybe they're gonna make something new i don't know owl man <laughs> <laughs> owl boys to owl men <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I mean, if that happens, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds great. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> no, oh, that's derailed every other. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that Moon Quest thing that just came out recently, that yeah. was like a six or... No, I think so, yeah, six, six years. years. You didn't ask about this recently, yeah, like Actually, a yeah. One. Yeah. About mm. people who spent a long time... Oh, uh, fucking uh, Iconoclasts. Yeah, uh, Distance is out very soon, the... Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, the racing game that um, I I haven't spoken to in many many years, but like one of the first things I ever did for PC Gamer when I was a baby junior contractor freelancer was like a roundup of Christmas games because I joined in November, and a free game to try over Christmas, and I think that the the original version of Distance was Nitronic Rush, and I put that in the thing, and they were so grateful for the coverage that they sent me a message and said, "Oh, we're thinking about doing this <laughs> a, a, an actual sequel, we might kickstart it," and anyway, that's out next next week or pretty soon so that's you know my my uh, one career later (laughs) (laughs) distance has has taken so long i was able to work on and release a game called distance in the intervening time without any conflict (laughs) (laughs) but you know whatever they they do maybe we'll be talking about that that steve swink one about scale Scale. it's called scale scale. (laughs) that's still in the works hasn't come out yet so we don't know what steve swink game we'll be talking about in five years time it might be scale (laughs) This is a good thing that we've chosen to take this question in this direction because we are so bad at predicting trends otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't know. Well, oh, I mean, VR could be big. It could be. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it might be. So this will be 2023. <laughs> um, um, okay, so uh, the guy who did Fidel, uh, before that who was working on Ernesto, and before that who was working on a game called Storyteller. This is Dan Daniel uh, Ben Yeah, ben, ben, yeah, yeah ben. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, so he's... Uh, three deep in his in his side project thing, and Fidel is out. That's done. Mm. Uh, so now I don't know if he's working on Ernesto or if he's gone back to the Storyteller or if he has a whole new thing. But surely one of those games must come out in the next five years. Thing is, if there is an episode episode five hundred, then that means we will have been doing the podcast for more than ten years, and we'll be Australian, and we'll be Australian <laughs> then. <laughs> um, um, uh, which I mean. Well, I, I think I got caught on this that came up recently where we talked about like the what, what will happen at E3 2018 thing, but I don't think I genuinely believe there'd be an episode 250. So I'm going to say it right now. I don't know if there'll be an episode 500. <laughs> Not to end on a bum note, but, you know, let's be Chris real. Chris predicts doom for let's podcast. Be real. You know, that's... That's the actual future. Yeah. But I felt that way last time and it happened anyway. It so. keeps being the actual future. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I'm learning oh, this some time. <laughs> All it the keeps time. Being yeah. The actual future. It won't stop happening, which is my main issue with it. Mm. Yeah. If it does stop happening, that, that will also be bad. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I guess it's a two sides kind of issue. <laughs> Oh, events occur. Have your say at Crate and Crowbar. (laughs) Owl boys to owl boys. (laughs) Can't we just stay owl boys? Owl pan, owl Peter pans. Owl pans. Owl pans. What are we talking about? I don't know. Another question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Diffracti writes, greetings, PCG Ludo narrative christenance. It's very good. It's very good. good. Uh, one thing I learned studying physics is that adding complexity to a simulation doesn't necessarily make it better. You're trying to find out why something happens, not just if something is physically possible. For games, I think simulation should be about feel. 
uh, and that's in asterisks, and I don't know how to pronounce asterisks. Feel! 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 War feel! War feel! No one's done a game called War Feel! <laughs> Why not? What, you got Warface. Yeah, what was Warframe? Warface was, was that the Crytek one? Yeah, it was the Crytek free to play Call of Duty game. Warface and Warframe, I couldn't really separate them. You couldn't, they were you the also same couldn't have time. thought, oh, there'll be, a, there'll be a game called Warface. I needed, I needed one of them to die, and I think Warface has died now, so I can just mm, okay. have one of them. Has Warface died? It's still alive. Is Warface still alive? die? But what about Warface? Dead by Daylight, Deadlight, and Dying Light. Those are three <laughs> different zombie games, and I cannot tell you which is which. That's a good um, talking it fast challenge. Tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what word Alex is trying to say? The new game on <laughs> forward slash flash forward slash games with a Z. Tongue doer. Dot ASP. Yeah. Oh man, when I was in sixth form, my dad got me a book called Learning ASP, and it's the least useful thing I own. <laughs> anyway. Did you ever uh, even encounter an asp? <laughs> Why can't we speak to the asp? <laughs> um, this, uh, the question continues after the sung word feel. Um, <laughs> Space sims can be precisely calculated, but you want them to accurately recreate the feeling of watching Han Solo do cool stuff. Just do doing it. <laughs> Just doing it. <laughs> Just watching him do it. where he did the thing. Oh, it's so good when he does it. We've answered this already, haven't we? It's so good. It's so Chris, good. Chris fell off on one and actually answered this question. <laughs> it's so good when he does it and the spaceship's like... <laughs> um, what, games, what games try too hard to simulate and end up firing cars into space? Uh, and what games hmm. nail the experience with the fewest variables? <laughs> Love the pod, Diffracti. Bonus question. Is the only reason Tom Senior has not followed anyone else into the game development because he would have to change his Twitter handle from PCG Ludo? Um, yes. What are you going to do? Yes, there is also an addendum to this particular piece of information because I've recently. So yeah, we may or may not have <laughs> spun <laughs> off on this already. Um, but I basically just want to give Tom an excuse to talk about his profile picture. Yeah, please. Um, so oh, yeah. this is, this is like a really important moment for me, I think, in my <laughs> social media life. And I, I've always been known as PCG Ludo since I worked for Peace Gamer. Uh, and that does continue. Uh, but up until the, uh, this particular point. <laughs> this is sounding uh, confessional. I was, I was, um, I, I used a piece of artwork that Marsh Davis, beloved, Marsh Davis, who appeared. This is as your a ghost, Goldblum mode. As a ghost on recent podcast. And is now dead again. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he drew that particular profile picture. Uh, and, uh, I, I chose recently to discard it. And it was a very, it was an emotional and difficult moment for me, I think. Um, and I just wanted to explain why I did it. <laughs> it was, uh, well, <laughs> what happened was, <laughs> I was writing an article about obscure games that popular developers have made. And, um, one of those games was a game called Impossible Creatures by Relic Entertainment, uh, a studio known for creating some of the greatest RTSs in the modern era, including Homeworld and indeed Company of Heroes. Uh, but in between those games, they made uh, a video game called Impossible, Impossible Creatures. <laughs> and- I love that you're giving the speech at Relic's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best man. And um, I, uh, in, in, I, used to, uh, I had 10 minutes to 
illustrate this article with a, a header image, an image that would appear on the front page of PeaceGamer.com in the carousel, no less, and in all the tweets and Facebook posts and all the things that matter if you're trying to make a story work. And I found a, a, a fucking amazing screenshot of uh, the protagonist from Impossible Creatures, who I described as uh, Brendan Fraser's face wrapped around a tin. <laughs> I think you'll find that to be an accurate description. And I wanted to go into this particular character's in-game history, just so everyone can understand the decision I've made here. To Because I, I indeed made this stupid fucking tin face my new profile picture. And it, uh, the, the character's name, the lead character of Impossible Creatures, is called Rex Chance. <laughs> This, and is, this is the, the best name I've heard since Jack Hard. Which was, <laughs> <laughs> I can't um, remember the name of the game that they were protagonists of, but it was a low-rent FPS. I, I don't want to give a clue about something I've been working on recently, but I the name Sergeant Hammerman <laughs> has been haunting me. <laughs> uh, so Rex, Rex Chance has some lore. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy from the Wikipedia page. Is he a lovable rogue who goes against the rules? Uh, is he well, a Brendan Fraser mummy character? In fact... He is, quote, <laughs> from Wikipedia. Disgraced war reporter. Oh my Disgraced god. Disgraced. Disgraced. He should never have copied that YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> Disgraced <laughs> war reporter Rex Chance. War reporter was just a review of Dead Cells for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Travels uh, to this uh, archipelago, discovering that his father died at the hands of the evil tycoon Upton Julius. Upton Julius. <laughs> My favourite. Upton uh, Julius. Upton Julius. Upton Julius. Upton Julius. That's what I am. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I knew this would be good. He, uh, he, <laughs> he vows to offend his father's murder he's assisted by the late uh, uh, doctor's assistant dr lucy willing oh, <laughs> oh fuck's sake uh, uh, with her help rex quickly learns the power of the sigma technology the sigma technology <laughs> to blend animals together into weird hybrids uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that is pretty much the age of sigma technology <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, 300 words and then also a concept of the game uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Uh, during, and during this process, uh, latent abilities are made manifest within him. <laughs> These abilities make him increasingly superhuman, allowing him to directly assist his Sigma creatures in battle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't really need to read much beyond this. All the funny names have happened. The, Rex most of Chance. The so Rex is that like T-Rex and you're not totally certain about what he's going to make? <laughs> well, his, his father's called Dr. Eric uh, Chanikov. <laughs> and I think they've sort of tried to bastardise it in a really oh, I see. His full like name is Maximilian Chancellor. I might be biased, but I feel like if you describe this whole plot to me and then you ask me, who do you cast as Wreck Chance? I probably would have said Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I wish I like like George of the Jungle vibe. 2018 era dunk on Brendan Fraser opportunity. <laughs> I, mean, I fucking love The Mummy. It's a fucking good film. It's wrong. a good film. And well done. Brendan Fraser is great. He's good in it as well. He is good in it. He's very likable. He's, He's very likable. Yeah. He's very uh, charismatic, yeah. and, uh, which is why I stole his face right around a piece. It's just a bit of a me. Rex chance. <laughs> <laughs> what anyway. was the question? I, I crowbarred that in. That was uh, if you did become a developer, you could mm. keep your Twitter username and just make a game called just make a Puzzle t- Carnage no, Game. It's much easier than that. <laughs> just make a procedurally generated game. <gasps> Procedural Generation Ludo. Procedural Generation Ludo. <laughs> 
Exactly. That's Problem what that would mean. Solved. I'm on a, a nine-year schedule for this one. <laughs> I have no funding. <laughs> I'll be destitute before then. But it will be... It's an MMO. <laughs> <laughs> I will scrape together my last pennies to enter into the IGF, but it won't be recognised. <laughs> It's Tom Senior's speed tree experience. Yeah. <laughs> Sell it off as middleware. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. We good. should we should do defractly the honor of answering his actual question. Oh, yeah, the question about yeah, right. simulation. What if simulation, so, but too much? So it was it was sort of what games have actually um, tried too hard to be simulations and ended up firing cars into space. Uh, just just once more onto the. Musk dunk there, and what games nail the experience with the fewest variables? Like what games get closest to the fantasy that they're presenting, but with the fewest sort of unnecessary elements? It's. I mean, in space I games. Think it's a really interesting question. Yeah. Just that we talked about Brendan. Oh, the Arkham games, the Batman Arkham mm. fighting style. Just and too much the, simulation. The stealth uh, combat. No, no, I mean this is the right amount. Right? That's a good, bet, yeah, good example. Yeah, it's just right. it's just the right amount of stuff to make you feel like Batman without being overcomplicated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because actually being Batman, like, yeah, you, you don't want to simulate it too much. It's like, oh no, I've fallen really far. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I've broken both my arms. <laughs> this man died of his wounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, times 1000. I check Lucius' uh, incredibly complicated legal contracts to hide my incredibly complicated uh, productive facilities for <laughs> yeah, legal well, weaponry. In fact, this is true of, like, all detective games, right? Right. Like, it's like any Sherlock Holmes games, you're like, I'm fucking no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to, like, you, you go through the minigame where you have to actually take heroin as Sherlock Holmes in order to sustain his uh, imagination and passion for yeah, yeah. Pl- playing the violin. <laughs> well, so it's like, it's like, it's like the crafting games, which are like massively kind of simplified sort of systems, except mm. that they has just go on and on mm. and on. Yeah. Like, which are basically like sort of attempts at simulation. But like, cause it, cause it does start from the fantasy of, but what if you're in the woods and you actually have to survive and, and if you don't drink enough, you will die. Like I've heard my son sort of say, but what? That, that would be brilliant. And it's like, <laughs> it isn't. Dad, dying in the woods. <laughs> you want to die in the woods, dad. <laughs> I want to, I want to be thirsty in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Well, son, Warframe. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, I think um, the thing is, so recently I've, I've been playing a few simulators, actually. I, I'm working on something at the moment that's required me to play a bit of Silent Hunter. Um, but also, you know, I've played some hunting games lately. I don't dig into it too much because I don't want to cannibalize other stuff. But, like, actually, I feel like... So dedicated sims, I fully respect them for being what they are. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't want to change a submarine game necessarily. And actually, the Silent Hunter series is very good for letting you dial down to a level of sort of simulation that feels like simulation, but it's doing a lot for you so that you're like, wow, I'm the best U-boat commander. Mm. And then it allows you to dial all the way up to like, where's the fucking geometry? And I but get it's like, but they're mega focused. That's the that's yeah. the beauty of them. Like you know, they're not asking you to kind of make sure the mess has got enough sausages or something. True, but it's also there's a lot of work to be done if you want to land a good torpedo. Mm. Doesn't U-boat sound like the name that a Web 2.0 company would come up for a word summary? <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, it would actually. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's anyway, the Nazi's first crime. Fucking hell. Um, but also, like, but so I honestly think this problem is this, this like too much simulation problem is clustered densely around the space sim, like really densely. Mm. I can't. In fact, if anyone can think of 
maybe, maybe, just maybe you can make the case that this also surrounds the sort of the medieval sword fighting game to some extent. Um, those are two fantasies that people desperately not. So yeah, maybe they both work both medieval sword fighting or fantasy sword fighting and spaceship combat for this reason neither of those things work anything like how they do in stories or movies i mean obviously space combat doesn't exist yet but it wouldn't work like it does in star oh, trump's wars just authorized the space force i know but he's got this vision so like he does <laughs> yeah. so uh, those are be, those tend right. to be simulations caught at a very awkward crossroads behind what people want to be true and what is actually true because you want to be Really, you just want to be Han Solo doing the doing. Yeah, mm. you you want you want to be Han Solo. You want you want space battles to basically World War Two dogfights, and you want your sword fights to be fencing matches between matched individuals. Not like if you watch like actual, <coughs> you know, uh, medieval or early modern sword play and how people would actually fight. It looks nothing like anything you've seen in a film or a story or a game. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 more about physical power and pushing and and sort of getting advantage through. Uh, you know, sort of locked positions, and that's if you don't just get killed immediately by getting stabbed to death. And then artillery, <laughs> and then guns are invented. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I got a good kind of education in, uh, you know, heat signature has uh, Newtonian physics for objects mm. in space, where if you keep thrusting one direction, or if you thrust in one direction, then you stop thrusting. You carry on going at that same speed. You do not ever stop mm. unless you manually thrust in the other direction. <laughs> and when I showed that to people at shows. Uh, yeah, the word thrusting, I'm just over it. <laughs> I just went through it for three and a half years. Thrusting, <laughs> I just thrusted in every direction and now I no longer feel anything. Shit. I'm over that as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, just watching those people thrust at those shows, you know, I learned a lot. <laughs> oh, no, come on, uh, everybody. See, We're doing this 250 times. <laughs> uh, watching, uh, they understood that if they, if they like, got some velocity in one direction and then didn't do anything else they'd keep it and then they're just like how do i stop uh, well you know how to change your speed right uh, yeah okay well do you know what direction you want to change your speed in uh, no well it's the other direction just just click in the other direction just whatever direction you're going and click in the other direction then you'll be going less fast in that direction and eventually you'll stop and then if you keep clicking you'll go in the other direction like it's it's so intuitive to me that get, i can't understand why right. it's not intuitive to another person really angry but there are some people who just cannot get it so we added a break button which is left click is thrust right click is break and mm. that just sold it for so many people that was like 50 percent of the mm, audience it is interesting yeah that that's the fundamental concept of the universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's going to be Tom Senior's greatest. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if your game, if the game man teaches this, that, that is that is the doings of the, the universe, <laughs> right there. Uh, I, but it's, I mean, like conservation of energy and you know force and direction. Just like, do the energy in space. You could, this game could teach people that, right? <laughs> I'm getting very partridge here. Tom, you could have educated. You put knowledge the on the map. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I no, know. it like because if they don't get it, they don't like the game, and so they don't play it, and uh, nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and like a class, you don't have them locked in a room, and uh, and to be honest, like we didn't it. change the physics; we just added a button that when you hold that button, just did your what, your spaceship yeah, figures right. out how much thrust to apply. Yeah, and so That's... you you can mix between the two, and so you, it's possible that some that some people who would have been put off completely by the pure physicsy approach 
might have been lured in by the easy approach and then eventually figured out, oh, actually, mm. it's, it's That's better how if Elite I... Dangerous handles it. Mm. By default, your ships in Elite Dangerous have, like, motion correction on them, so they're constantly, like, thrusting in the other direction. So to kind of, like... It's essentially, like... They had two options. They were at a crossroads themselves. They, they could have... They called it, like, flight assist or something like that, and eventually you learn to switch it off if you want to do cool flips. But what they could have called it is, like... I'm pretending to be a plane mode where your ship tells you that I'm pretending to be a plane, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I don't want, to, I don't want that. Oh, my, my spaceship is insulting me. And they're like, yeah, now you know. <laughs> no. I think, yeah, the uh, kind of example, I guess, would be Frontier Elite 2, which was kind of your dogfights were essentially going many millions of miles past your target. And then thrusting back towards them as they're thrusting towards you and getting to fire at them for a split second as you hurtle by each other at kind of like yeah, five yeah. billion thousand. It's funny, I always loved the way that Mass Effect had its cake and desperately ate it with this stuff. <laughs> where there's like there's like two or three really good like sort of optional kind of moments in Mass Effect where you can come across someone explaining the physics of space combat. Hmm. Like that great kind of drill sergeant in the first game saying like, do not fire in space unless you're planning on hitting something. Because it will hit something eventually. Yeah. Like, the level of kind of, like, granularity that games don't often consider, or anyone really considers, that, like, if you're doing a space battle and your guns are facing planetwards, if you miss the thing you hit, you're hitting something on that planet. Like, all of this stuff. And then the actual space battle sequences in Mass Effect, which are pure like, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like, whee! Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. matter at all. And it's like, you know, and, and they completely got away with it, which is the thing, right? Like, it actually, like, they could say one thing and do another, and it mm. was like, I'm in a hard sci-fi universe, but also, yay! They did a cool <laughs> Which flip. is the way to do it. Yeah, it is the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Just basically just shameless. Just lie. Lie. Yeah. I think we talked um, before the podcast about the idea of, a, like, a true space combat game where you're actually firing flak or, you know, sensible, you know, inter- sensible missiles. I always said sensible <laughs> missiles. Um, the new game from Sensible Software. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, missiles with AI on board that could adjust their trajectory. Uh, to actually- you describe that as sensible. <laughs> right, yeah. A missile sensibly doing what it's supposed to eventually do. Um, just projectiles that you actually use gravity wells you use kind of mm. you know local space geometry to actually attack mm. people from great great distances like you could launch a devastating attack on uh all of the satellites around the earth from mars if you plotted certain like flak attacks and certain trajectories sounds a lot like a supervillain's plan <laughs> yeah, well, it does doesn't it but what a game that would be where it's almost like i can imagine it being almost like ai war combined with kerbal space program where yeah oh man you're kind of adapting uh trajectory of your missiles to hit certain Fuck, that's a really good idea because that, like that's that. also like because like so there's, there's an element of submarine game to that which is right. the sort of like this boat is going in this direction if i fire this torpedo now hmm. and the boat doesn't know that a torpedo has been fired Book and die in five minutes. It's good. It, stuff in space is not manoeuvrable. Yeah, everything exactly. is predictable unless it changes. By yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> things can adjust to an extent, but it's, it's hard. To, you know, you can't do a you know warplane yeah. thing of like spin. But yeah, you're right. Like, the, and the, you could take yeah. yeah. There, there's a good combat game to be made there. Not a successful one that will sell any copies <laughs> because it will be based on very abstract concepts of combat. But you say that couple space program is huge. Uh, I, I think you've just invented Kerbal Space Program Silent Hunt. Royale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100 Kerbins uh, deposited across the galaxy. To, across the galaxy. It's, it's a bit like uh, eventually yeah. attain a level of space flight that allows them to kill the other ones. <laughs> 
uh, oh, good. We, we, we took a beautiful, pure thing and made it stupid. about murder. <laughs> uh, stupid and about murder. And that is the new Warframe expansion. Warframe. 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 Oh my god, oh, that was all fuck. <laughs> that has to be you. We have to cut that. <laughs> no, that, that stays in. Oh god. Uh, this, that is all of the. That was real bad. Yeah, oh well, um, if you're still listening, uh, that is all of the questions we have time for. You can tell why we only have time for a few questions. Thank you for sending us a question. <laughs> if you did. Um, if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode, although we do not have an appreciable backlog, uh, you can email us questions on CreightonCrowbar.com or tweet us at CreightonCrowbar. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash CreightonCrowbar, and on Patreon, uh, on patreon.com forward slash CreightonCrowbar. Uh, thank you very much to all our Patreon backers who make this uh, possible, including that harmony, if you can even describe it as that, um, for which... Oh, apologies, or maybe not enough. Tom is pouring himself what's left the of, last of the gym whiskey. Bean. Uh, if you would like to follow us as individuals, much like I followed every individual syllable through that roller coaster of an attempted sentence, you can find us on Twitter, I think. Uh, I am at C Thurston, that's C T H U R S T E N. Uh, let's go around the circle in any direction. I. Tom Francis, am um, at Pentadact, P-E-N-T-A-D-A-C-T. Uh, I, Tom Senior, am Brendan Fraser's face wrapped around a ten. <laughs> at PCG Ludo on Twitter. <laughs> I, Alex Wilcher, am rotational, R-O-T-A-T-A-I, oh, fuck it. The measure of symmetry by which it. Brendan Fraser's face is wrapped around a tin. <laughs> 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 Who are you, Chris? I already said. Did you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I missed it. We're going to I heard you talking break. about Brendan Facer, Fraser's face. That was Tom. Up. Brendan Facer. <laughs> I'm the right room. fight. I'm right next to you. It's fine. You're the not Tom. Tom, We've Alex. We've done it. <laughs> Alex, you're not, you haven't had a single drop to drink. Uh, I'm That's really true. tired. <laughs> That's fair. Don't think I'm very well. Anyway. <laughs> Warframe. <laughs> Warframe, everybody. Warframe. Warframe, everybody. Warframe, everybody.